0: is the M.D.'s Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard,
1: giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. <laughs> Well, a little bit better late than never, but we're back here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show with a Wednesday night edition of Operation Domination. The full preview of week 14 as we got our player props, our game lines, and of course, our fantasy football analysis. One week away from our playoff start for many of you trying to fight just to get in. So the playoffs in a way have already kind of started for you. I'm your host, Dan Mater. Thanks for joining us on our YouTube stream. Make sure you subscribe and hit the bell notification live. That way you have new content whenever we go available to you. You can also stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. I'm joined my two co-hosts today, Mr. Adam LaRue and Chris Dowhower. How we doing, gentlemen? Good job holding down the four while's away too, by the way.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I don't feel like, yeah, like we're starting late. I think we're just saving some time on the first game we're going to cover on Thursday, so we're not going to get too much <laughs> detail on that game. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited to be joined by you. Adam. Adam was you know, definitely helped hold down the fort while you were away.
3: I did uh, until I, I was not there this past uh, week, so uh, that one's on me. <laughs> uh, bad flight scheduling. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hit a couple Sunday shows, so I think it makes up for it.
1: Yeah, you, you guys more than made up for it. There's absolutely no worries about that. Yeah, so we got a jam-packed show today. There's only two teams on by. Chris alluded to it, though, not the most thrilling Thursday night game in the world that we have to talk about today. But hopefully other matchups will get a little bit better. Nonetheless, people are still going to be tuning in for that game. One, well, because it's the NFL football. But two, uh, like I said, you're still going to have some fantasy-relevant players in that game. So I'm going to go ahead and just dive right into it. <laughs> The Patriots against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's funny, you know, if this was just a decade ago, this would have been like, you know, an awesome game. This is your like AFC conference championship game every single year. But now fast forward to 2023 and we're stuck with a 30 and a half over under. 30 and a half. Now, when this game first opened, it's
2: called at snooze 31 fest. and a half. At 30 what, what was that, Chris? It's called a snooze fest. This is this is us getting some yeah. Some tape to get a nice nap to on Thursday.
1: Yeah, I don't know about all that. But uh, it, when this game first opened up at 31 and a half, it was the lowest an over-under had been since 2008. Then it went down another point, the 30 and a half. But then, we'll get into it later, this isn't the only 30 and a half over-under game of the slate this week, either. So just to kind of put the perspective, it might not be the worst game this week, or it could be, but it's tied nonetheless. Uh that's that's where we're at right now in 2023 with some of the scoring that has been. The Steelers are cover are favored to cover in this game by six points. Just unbelievable that's even that large. Of course, you look at the Chargers last week; they won. They cut. They, they the Patriots made their cover, so that game was six and a half, and the Patriots covered that spread by a six to nothing game. Just at just it's just laughable. It's just laughable across the board. Both teams have combined for five games on the over this season. You have two backup quarterbacks playing in this game. Two inept offenses playing in this game. Yeah, guess what? I am still, I am still going to be taking the under in this one. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Even at 30, I'm still taking the under. Uh, We're not playing Bailey your Mr. Trubisky, obviously. But this is where we do have some fantasy analysis to get into. Ramondre Stevenson, he's going to be out this week. Maybe out the rest of the season. We'll have to see. I'll talk to Brian Scott. That's right. Brian Scott, we're back on our Thursday episodes tomorrow at 9.30 here on our YouTube channel. Make sure you check us out then because we'll have a lot of questions for him getting ready for your playoff run. But Stevenson's going to be out this game. But uh, Ezekiel Elliott comes in. The ECR probably will catch up. They have him as an RB3. I had him already ranked as if Stevenson was going to miss. So I had Zeke in here as an RB22. Just expecting him to get the majority of the work. Last week, 60% of the carries, 21% of the target share. I mean, maybe Ty Montgomery gets worked in to some degree Uh, but against Pittsburgh Steelers, you know what? I think I like Ezekiel Elliott to not only be an RB2, but I like him to cover at his 59 and a half rushing yard mark. Adam, you got any confidence in Ezekiel Elliott being your lineup in a week 14 matchup?
3: I don't love it, but I think, uh, when a back is projected as much volume as I think that Zeke is going to get, uh, it's kind of hard to keep him out of your lineup. I don't know that necessarily the upside is super high. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're getting 15 plus carries, 12 plus carries at this point uh, in the season with the way running backs uh, have kind of shaken up with injuries, uh, with timeshares, things of that nature, it, it you kind of have to uh, maybe not be excited about it, but you kind of have to play them.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm That's what I'm feeling like, too. It's a hard to find running backs even got the volume that he's probably going to be locked into, even if it's not exciting to watch. We got a question coming in from uh, Richard here. Full point PPR, Zach Moss or Saquon Barkley this week? Chris, what would you do here?
2: Fantastic yeah, I know Zach Moss was a little disappointing last week, but I would roll with Zach Moss in this situation. Taking a Cincinnati team that's run, run defense is not good. Um, pass defense is not good. They give a lot of yards. If the volume is going to be there, I I know that you know Tommy DeVito had a decent game, so he's going to get a chance to be a starter again. I'm not trusting anything on Giants' offense. I'll, I'll go Zach Moss in that situation.
1: Yeah, I got Zeke. I got Saquon Barkley ranked five spots ahead of Zach Moss, so I am going to go with Saquon in this one. The Packers' defense has been playing pretty well as of late, but they're not that great against the run either. All the volume is going Saquon Barkley's way. And uh, he is only two weeks removed from a number one overall performance against Washington just a couple of weeks ago. So I am going to stick with Saquon, but it's close. I don't think you can go wrong with either one, preferably, especially in a week like this, where we're trying to find running back help anyway. Uh, I got to think you have the opportunity to put both of them in in your lineup, Richard. But uh, I would go Saquon, Chris, go Zach Moss. Basically, I don't think you can go wrong either way. You're going to get at least an RB2 value, I think, ultimately. Uh, Najee Harris, he might not play. Uh, he didn't practice Tuesday. He didn't practice at all today. List is a D not P, and uh, we're gonna. He list is questionable going into tomorrow's game, but uh, and unless it's just simple rest, I don't know. We'll have to find out tomorrow, I guess. If he does not go, Jalen Warren would move up my ranking. So I was actually lower than ECR. ECR already had him at twenty three. I looked at it as more of an RB3. This is a 1A-1B split between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And believe it or not, um, Matt Canada apparently was not the key to unlocking Jalen Warren. (laughs) Shocker there. It's still Najee Harris kind of leading the way a little bit as a a result to this. Last week's a little bit disappointing. Harris had a 59% snap share. That's the highest that's been in five weeks. So this kind of felt like it was swinging back towards the Harris way. Of course, now the injury... Kind of clouds all of that. I think they're both RB threes, but Chris, I'm gonna ask you this question: If there is no Najee Harris tomorrow, would you have Jalen Warren inside your top twenty-four as an RB two?
2: I definitely would. I mean, I think it's gonna be close, so the running backs are gonna be involved. Um, I expect the New England picture offense to do nothing again. And I expect that Pittsburgh's offense won't necessarily be impressive, but they'll continue to hand the ball to the running back or throw the ball to the running back. But Trubisky has a tendency to do that, so I'm definitely having Jalen Warren in my lineup if that's the case.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree that the pet the so all the volume, not just the rushing volume, but the fact that you're going to get all of that receiving volume consolidated, the one running back. I think that's the key for me as well. He would pop into my top 22. Uh, also, maybe you know, before I was going to say I take the under on his player prop bet of 53 and a half rushing yards, but now we think there's a decent chance Najee Harris doesn't go. I might be a little bit interested in hitting the over here and trying to get a few shekels in there. Maybe not a full unit, but at least half a unit there. Uh, Richard commented back in, he's saying he has David Montgomery as another running back. So yeah, sure, you're playing David Montgomery for sure over those two. But uh, I got to see receivers there because I think all three of them would be my lineup, whether it be the flex or what, or what have you. But you know, d- depends on what options you have. Uh, Deontay Johnson, he comes in a wide receiver, thirty-five. I'm not super excited here. I do want to get into George Pickens a little bit here, though, Adam, because uh, not that the ECR is telling you to play him because they got him at wide receiver 41, so they're not. But I'm looking at George Pickens. I got my wide receiver 53. I'm looking at him as a guy that, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and, and hit, this, hit this drop, frankly.
0: Prepare to be flushed. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't see any reason to have George Pickens on on your team right now. Not only have the downgrade to Mitchell Trubisky, but last week was his highest fantasy finish since week seven. And that was wide receiver 25 and a half point PPR. That was against a terrible defense in the Arizona Cardinals and a native game script, in which the Steelers are getting completely blown out and had to throw the ball. Come hell or high water. Uh, he's got a 38 and a half receiving yard prop. That tells you what Vegas thinks of his chances of, of producing tomorrow on top of all that. So I'm staying away from George Pickens and this prop. I'm staying away from George Pickens and fantasy. Adam, would you just drop him if you're in redraft leagues at this point?
3: It, it, it just depends. Uh, if there's a guy available that offers more upside, then sure. I'm just not just going to drop him with no kind of replacement in mind. Uh, I don't know that he's quite to that point yet. I'm just going to drop him to get the, you know, the bad mojo off my roster. Um, but I don't know. Waivers are tough right now. So that that kind of makes it a little bit more difficult. And we've now passed waivers, you know, as of today. Um, but he's definitely, I think, I don't have him anywhere. Um, but if I did have him, he would be like the first to go in the next round of waivers.
1: We're going to get into this with a couple of guys that we talk about in today's show. Uh, But my thing is that I like to, especially when we get towards the playoffs here, I like to drop guys who have... Name and value who make you think that you want to have them on your roster, make you think you want to have them potentially in your lineup. And I like to drop them on the waiver wire, come little landmines for people out there in the playoffs. Please play this. please pick up this guy. Please play him against me. And you can deal with what we've been dealing with this entire time to this point in the season. There's a couple of guys like that we're going to talk about today. George Pickens will be one of those for me. Uh, Pat Friermuth, I got to update this ranking because I no longer have him in the top twelve at tight ends. Thank you, Dalton Schultz, for returning back to practice today. So maybe knock him outside the top twelve and put him at thirteen. You guys got any other notes you want to get into for this matchup at all? For negative, get any rants, anything?
3: I can't believe we have to watch this. <laughs> I might throw five dollars on nobody
2: scored a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I was gonna ask this for some other questions, but this is a team that you to understand. Like, I feel like if Iowa played in this game, you know, who we actually bet on some of these games and what the, what the scores would be, like Iowa versus New England, who would score first? Would it be a, would it be guaranteed or would be only field goal scored in the game? Like it's just I'm really disappointed this is where we are at football right now. Yeah, uh... We're going
1: to have some comments about that throughout the show today. But, yeah, this this matchup for a Thursday night game, Prime's going to be sitting there like, Phew. it's a good thing everybody loves football. It's a good thing there's betting. There's a good thing there's fantasy sports and shows like this one because otherwise, uh, I don't know how you sell a game like that tomorrow night. Let's go to our next matchup. Gets a little... Little better here. Not much, but a little bit. Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Atlanta Falcons in this one. The Falcons at home are favored at minus two and a half with an over under of 39 and a half. But Tampa Bay. Has been 5-3 and three against the spread, when 2.5 points or less underdogs so far this season. And Atlanta's been 1-4 in trying to cover when they've been 2.5-point favorites so far this year. So guess what? I am taking Tampa Bay in an underdog special here to cover in this matchup uh, it kind of, I don't have to go through it. We know Arthur Smith. We know the Falcons are inept on offense. Tampa Bay at least offers you some life in the passing game. And the one area the Tampa Bay defense is weak in, which is against passing attacks, don't worry. Desmond Ritter's here to make sure that's never actually a problem when you play against them. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, not really playing either one of these guys, especially in a late bye week. Hopefully, you're not in super flex and having to deal with a Baker Mayfield or a Desmond Ritter in your lineup. Bijan Robinson, thank God, I haven't been around for the past couple of weeks since the Bijan usage has finally gotten back on track. Maybe I need to go back to Thailand in order to make sure it continues to be as such. As that seem to be the problem, but Bijan Robinson, number six running back for me this week, and Rashad White, with the way he's been playing, has to be a top ten running back as well, even a tough matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. Mike Evans, a no-brainer play. Chris, let's talk a little Drake London here. I got him at 48. ECR's got him at 33. He's one of those guys I was talking about along the same lines of George Pickens. I, I don't get it. I, in, this, in this case, ECR is trying to tell you you can still play him as a wide receiver three. Why? He hasn't finished better than wide receiver 30 since week f- six, and he's only finished in the top 36 twice since that time. I mean, I would make the argument that in a redraft league, he's another one of those landmines. You can go ahead and drop and beg somebody to play him against you. Where are you at on Drake London?
2: I think he's he hasn't been horrible for the most part. I know the last week they were mm-hmm. suggests nobody nobody should have been playing him. Um, but previous to that, when they, once they got kind of healthy and he was healthy, he was getting around like Michael Thomas numbers earlier in the season for the Saints. He like, had you know, six catches, 60, 70 yards. Which is why they were four numbers, yeah. Well, what, what I think he's worth playing for, especially this week is first Tampa Bay, the team that plays a lot of man is a team that you're going to be able to throw the ball. And overall, I think the Rams are going to be able to move the ball, but better versus Tampa Bay defense. As Tampa Bay defense is not what it usually is. They're without their linebackers. Last week, we saw how their run defense is not the same, and the pass defense has been hemorrhaging yards all season long. So I do think Drake London's a solid flex play this week, if not a receiver three.
1: No, I totally disagree. Desmond Ritter's not good enough to take advantage of any of that. He's an absolutely putrid offense. And again, I will keep pointing out, he has not been good. It has not been usable. Two two top 36 finishes. Nothing is out of top 30 since week six. You are trying to get into your championships. You're trying to get into your playoffs right now. I don't need a guy who offers me
2: zero ceiling.
1: I, I completely disagree with that. So you want, you want to do a showdown here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to win this showdown for sure. Droppable or not, we can have this argument a lot. I mean, you were dropping Watson. You're dropping, Watson, oh, you're dropping I mean, you're Pickens. Out. Not whether, not so whether what I'm just talking about in two weeks, and we can find out where Drake London is as well. But for this week, absolutely, I'm willing to have the showdown as well.
1: Okay, so I am at 48. You're saying he's a wide receiver three. I'll give you top 36. I would say Drake London is not a top 36 play this week. And so is that, that agreeable to you? That works for me. Just a little little reminder here. Where, where's the standings at? Oh, there they are. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, you guys got to start winning some. No matter how much I'm right, you'll still argue with me. I love it. All right, anyway. So let's move on from Drake London here. Kate Atten, I don't care. Uh, there's been this little craze at about Kate Otten the tight end position. People want to stream him, and every time you go to stream him, he does exactly what Kate Otten does, which is absolutely nothing. So I, I wouldn't want to play him here, even though the matchup against the Land is nice. Maybe take a shot him on DFS. Are you streaming him this week? I got him at fifteen. Adam.
3: Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. I, I think 15 is about a fair number. That's like, if you're desperate, he's a streamable option, but not necessarily a guy like your first choice uh, to grab off of waivers. And I, I think that's fair. Um, he doesn't really have a ton of upside. You, I, I like Kate Otten as a player a lot. And I think if this becomes an offense that is passing the ball more, he can become a playable piece. I don't think it's a, a him, the player problem. Um, you know, he gets all the snaps at the tight end position, more or less. Um, great player, can do a lot of things, um, but but realistically outside of Rashad White and Mike Evans, who has consistently been a guy that you want to have in your lineups in this offense. Godwin has his weeks, sure, but um, he certainly has his bad ones or bad months. Um, so this offense is kind of Mike Evans is great. Rashad White is not fun to watch, but has been great from a fantasy perspective. And outside of that, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, as far as Kyle Pitts goes, i got him outside my top 12, and I hope to God I can keep him there now. The bye weeks are pretty much going to be over, because that's a mess that I don't want to have to deal with. Let's go to our next match. (laughs) we got Detroit and Chicago. I actually think this matchup might be a little bit interesting. Detroit favored here at minus three. And uh, the over/under sitting there at forty-one. Detroit's been eight and four against the spread, but there's something I like more than taking. The, I do like Detroit to cover first and foremost, but there's something more than that. Detroit's actually been seven and five on the over this year. Chicago has been eight and four on the over this year. Give me one of the few overs that I feel good about this week, actually, especially with Justin Fields back for Chicago. Speaking of, I got him inside my top twelve, and I got Jared Goff just at my number 12 quarterback. So both these guys coming in as startable QB ones for me, at least in that borderline, especially fields with the rushing ability. He gives you in Detroit notoriously just not good against the rushing quarterbacks. fields lit him up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Jameer Gibbs. We're still starting him, even though, and this is where I want to get into David Montgomery a little bit, Chris, even though David Montgomery looked like he didn't quite take back the role that he had from when before his injury, but, Kind of inch closer to that area. And I'm very bullish on him this week. I got him as my top five running back. ECR only has him at 15. Uh, I don't know. He, he's been a touchdown monster. He's been either a low in RB1 or a high in RB2 every single week since the buy upon his return. Uh, you know, the volume last week, I think, was in direct reflection of the fact of the game script. And what we saw a couple weeks ago, I think during Thanksgiving, when the Lions surprisingly lost, people were like, oh, look, Jameer Gibbs, he's playing ahead of David Montgomery. Well, they were in a negative game script. Last week, they controlled the game, and they were pro game script, and it was all David Montgomery. And I expect this to be more of a pro-ish type game script again here. So I'm playing David Montgomery over Jameer Gibbs. You're playing both of them in your lineup, but what's your take here on Montgomery? People sleeping on him a little bit.
2: I mean, it's been the same throughout. I think this is Montgomery's backfield for the most part in the sense that he's going to be the preference. And I don't really think game script's always going to matter. I think that they trust David Montgomery above Jameer Gibbs when it comes to play calling, when it comes to pass protection, when it comes to they need to play. And I think that I, I talked about this for the week that you were out Dan, last week. That David Montgomery, in my opinion, is the heart and soul a lot of the ways for the Detroit offense. And I think that's why he's always going to kind of have a role in the offense that's going to be more of an alpha role to Jumeirah Gibbs. I think they're both very playable. Uh, I just think it's kind of a flip-flop situation in New Orleans where you usually like, have the Kamara over the Mark Ingram. In this situation, I think it's kind of having the Mark Ingram over the Kamara where Gibbs is going to be involved in the catching. He'll have the guys that you know be able to attack the edges. He'll have the big yardage. And Montgomery is the guy who's going to be the one you can trust week in, week out, who's going to get your touchdown and going to be in there no matter what the game situation is.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree there. Uh, Hopefully you have better options in the Chicago Bears backfield. Roshan, Johnson, Cleo Herbert, both guys that have as low in RB3s, high in RB4s. We might even get Dante Foreman back into the mix. It's just shaping up to be a mess right now and something I don't want to have to touch until we get a little bit more clarity at the moment. I'm out around St. Brown should be good to go. And DJ Moore, as long as Justin Fields is out there on the field, man, you just, you gotta love DJ Moore can really bring it to the table. I don't have anybody else. We really need to talk about in this game. Sam Laporta, Cole Komet. I mean, Laporta, top three, tight end Laporta comet's uh, the top 10 tight end here. You guys, have any other notes for this one? No. All right, let's move on to our next matchup. <laughs> Colts taking on the Jake Browning superstar-led Cincinnati Bengals. How about that? You know, That just put a big smile on my face. Not because I own Jamar Chase. I do have a few shares of Joe Mixon. But it just put a big smile on my face because in a year in which... Literally half the quarterbacks at this point in the league are backups. To see somebody actually perform like they belonged on a field, like they were, could be a starter, could at least give you that potential. It just, I don't know, it just it made me happy. Uh, the Colts are favored in this one at minus one and a half and over under of 39 and a half. Colts have been eight and four on the over. Bengals about six and six, but after what I saw of Jake Browning and given the Colts defense to give up points i'm going to take the over in this one between these two teams at 39 and a half believe it or not expecting some points to be scored in this game uh Minshew, Minshew, jake browning I, i'm not there yet on browning i know he had a big performance yeah, i think i think he actually did go down to qb1 overall or top four at the very least uh i gotta see one more game before i can be like oh yeah let's go ahead and plug and play him when you have a laundry list of quarterback options available to you, but I will keep him an eye on him. If he can actually repeat that kind of performance with what our options are turning into at the quarterback position, I'll Trevor Lawrence and more to come who are getting injured. Let's talk a little Joe Mixon here, Adam. So uh, I got him at 12. ECR has got him at 17 and it's not about whether or not you're playing Joe Mixon in your lineup. It's about the hoopla that was surrounding him and you know, maybe into that first quarter. It started to give you some pause there about Chase Brown getting involved, and everybody else is going to be in a rotation with Joe Mixon. And it seemed to get overblown at least by the second half. First quarter, it was looking like well, maybe they were some on to something, but in the second half, Joe Mixon completely takes over here. Where's your confidence level at going to a playoff, you know, weeks coming up here with Joe Mixon, the Cincinnati Bengal offense now?
3: I think it'll be continue to be the Joe Mixon job. Uh now May, you know, Brown start to move in a little bit and, uh, you know, give him some, uh, a breather. Sure. Uh It's weird. Uh, even as far as uh, backs that get, you know, a full workload, like he does, it's weird that he never even gets spelled half the time, or at least and no other backs get carried. Like it's abnormal, even from a workhorse back, you know, what his workload has become. They try not to give any other back the ball uh, in most other games. So, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that that Brown comes in and takes five to ten carries. I I think Mixon still has his pathway. Um, And if anything, given that offensive line and and kind of how teams, at least at first, were starting to react to Browning coming into the game and kind of selling for the run a little bit more. No, I think Browning's given them some pause on doing that. Um, But nonetheless, I think it'll be, if anything, helpful for Mixon unless things go crazy awry towards Brown. I don't think is going to be the case.
1: No, I mean, to your point, even, even on Monday night, it was 71% snaps to Mixon, 15% only the, the Chase Brown anyway. of course, Mixon's still getting all the red zone looks and dominate the targets as well. It, it, and, if anything, maybe if Chase Brown provides a spark here and there, maybe helps the chains keep moving, keeps drives on longer, and we know when they get in the scoring position, it's, it's Joe Mixon time or Browning's throwing the ball to Jamar Chase. So, I, I'm with you here. I think that was actually it, it, nothing else. I think the Jake Browning showing... Gave Gave you confidence in Joe Mixon. Gave you confidence in Jamar Chase. Maybe even give you a little bit of hope for T. Higgins being usable at some point this season. Just the whole offense as a whole being able to function should give you some hope for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Chris, well, you answered. This is a good question to ask, Chris, because he did say he wanted to go Zach Moss over Saquon Barkley. Um, Maybe you're more in line with the ECR than I am. I don't know. ECR has got him at RB4 overall. I think that's a little strong. I think it's a little aggressive for a guy coming off a 2.7-yard per carry performance against, yes, a Tennessee Titan defense is tough against the run, but lost Jeffrey Simmons during that game. And we know that defense is not the same without Jeffrey Simmons out there. So I don't know how tough it really should have been as far as that goes. i just kind of curious, do you think the Moss magic is wearing out a little bit? Or do you think maybe he's not 100% healthy? Because just watching him last week, he didn't look like the Zach Moss we saw earlier on in the season, just from a physical standpoint, at least in my mind. So are you more inclined with the ECR 9? I got him at 16. ECR's got him at 4. And what do you think in there? What, what do you see on the field?
2: I don't necessarily have him in the top 5 this week, but I definitely think he's in the top 10. Um, I think the difference for me is that maybe he is a little banged up, but not quite, didn't look quite as explosive as he had, you know, as early in the season where he was just ridiculously overly efficient, where he was you know, definitely playing above and beyond that you kind of expect even any you know, star running back to even play. Um, so I think he may be settling back a little bit to reality. But on the flip side, I think that you saw a Colts offensive line that just kind of got pieces back this week, and the pieces hadn't really kind of got a rhythm yet. And I think that the team kind of settled on using the passing attack and kind of utilized the ability that they could attack Tennessee on the outside pretty pretty easily um, and didn't really necessarily have to use the running game and check to the backs, which is where Zach Moss has been eating a lot, is that check down to the running back and being involved in that passing attack when he wasn't getting the yards per carry. Um, so I think that's where this week. Cincinnati plays that bad, but don't break defense. So they're going to give up yards. He's going to get his yards. Now it's going to be a matter of do you trust him in the red zone, of the guys in the red zone for the Colts offense. He's probably going to get one of those touchdowns if they're going to go the over. So I do like Zach Moss as a top 10 option this week, like I said.
1: Yeah, I think I'm a strong RB too, but just acknowledging that I don't think he's 100% right now. And I don't know if he gets to be 100% this week either. We'll have to see. But otherwise, regardless, the guys in your lineup, uh, Jamar Chase, we feel more confident about him. Michael Pittman, who's been on a tear, cracks my top 12 this week. Adam, let me ask you this. Josh Downs, a little bit disappointing last week after he came back off the injury, had double digit targets last week, not nearly as involved. I still got him as a wide receiver three this week. Would you potentially flex him or are you going to wait and see it on Josh Downs?
3: I, I think I would. Uh, I, I think this is maybe a little bit scarier of a pass rush that might, you know, you might want to get the ball out a little quicker uh, and kind of to Chris's point. It, it was so bad for Tennessee on the outside last week. I mean, to the point that you allowed Alec Pierce to have hundred yards and you know that I love Alec Pierce, but the reality of this season is that nobody's looking for Alec Pierce to get on the field. <laughs> right. Exactly. So point being, they were getting killed on the outsides. I, and they still tried to get the ball to downs. It just didn't work. So they're like, all right, screw it. Let's just keep doing what's functioning. Um, I, I think he's in a part of the offense that is going to continue to be a thing moving forward when he's been healthy. He gets a lot of targets. There was a couple weeks there uh, where he was a little banged up and it, it wasn't much. But um, yeah, I, I think they want him to be a high volume player.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I still would flex him, especially a full point PPR. I do like the matchup here against Cincinnati, who lost some guys on the secondary. It, Minshew has shown he tries to get both those guys involved, normally speaking. We do have a high-point scoring game. I like it even more for those reasons there. T. Higgins, I think he's a low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four. Doesn't offer you much of a ceiling. Hopefully, he can get going and write that ship before it's too late. Uh, other than that, I don't have any other notes for this game. Do you guys want to move on?
2: One question. Is Hudson going to be playable at some point at tight end, do you think, by the end of this season?
1: No, it's still too sporadic. And now we're out of the buys. I'm always going to have 12 guys ranked ahead of him. So at least, at least for me, I'm not going to have him in that in that mark because it's still too sporadic. Because he's not getting into the end zone at enough of a clip. And if they're going to get Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, especially going at some points, uh, I don't see how much room the tight ends are going to have or how much you're going to trust him in your playoff matchups. What do you got there? Seeing a difference? I've-
2: no, what I was curious is because we know this offense is kind of from the Rams tree. And we saw Tyler Higby have a run a couple of years ago towards the end of the season. And the tight end usage for this Cincinnati offense has definitely been on the incline, especially over the last few weeks, especially with the backup quarterback situation. And it is something where you're seeing Hudson become more and more involved. The guy that they do seem to kind of figure out a way to involve. A guy for Browning who's always going to kind of be checked down city, I think, in this offense. That's why I was kind of curious. I think you know, talked about Higgins having limited upside. Who's going to be that second pass catcher in his offense? I am curious to see if it might some- be Joe Mixon that kind of emerges.
1: It, it, it might be Joe Mixon. I mean, it, it, he was throwing it right at the line of scrimmage. I think he had the lowest A-dot of all the quarterbacks, and yet he finished in, like, the top five of quarterbacks. It was just, it was just yeah, it was insane the way that kind of broke down. But it, it, that might be the case there. Uh, let's go to our next match.
0: <laughs>
1: Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Cleveland Browns. So we lose Christian Kirk for the rest of the year for sure. Trevor Lawrence, there's no way he plays this week in my mind, but uh, maybe he's back before your playoffs are done. I don't know how much that's going to matter. I don't know how much Trevor Lawrence helped get you there in the first place, but it does trickle down to all the other guys that we have to talk about here on the Cleveland side of the ball. Cooper Cooper's dealing with a concussion issue and I don't my vibe is that he's not going to be like a Chris Olave who makes it back in a week. I am not getting the vibe that Murray Cooper is going to be able to play this week and I didn't rank him as such. Uh Cleveland is favored in this game at minus 3. This is the other 30 and a half points over under on the week between these two teams. The Browns, believe it or not, have been seven and five on the over this year and call me flacco ballsy but i think the browns are going to put up some points and he's going to actually let it fly a little bit we're going to see a little more aggression than we're used to seeing out of these guys and CJ Bathard will do enough on their side to get 10 points i think that's all they need here 10 points 21 out of cleveland Uh, by the way yes that means i am taking cleveland to cover here too uh yeah, I think we get over 30 and a half. That, that's my ballsy prediction. They're over 30 and a half for the Cleveland-Jacksonville game. Uh, but you, speaking of Joe Flacco, I don't have him in my top 12, but I will throw this out there. I do got him a QB 16 just because just he's not afraid to let it rip. I'm just, just throwing that out there. Let's talk a little Travis Etienne, though, uh, Adam, because um, there's another guy, kind of like Zach Moss, where uh, he's going to be in your lineups. And I'm telling you to rank him as an, you know, an RB2, but... Uh, Ecr And this is why I will pick out some of these like, OK, Dan, why are you talking about guys that you're still going to have playing in our lineups, but you want to make a fight with ECR because you don't have them nearly as high? Well, because it sets the expectation. So when ECR tells you a running back should be in the top 10, you have a certain expectation for that guy to be a a, a certain level of an RB1. And then I'm looking at him and I'm saying, well, I'm seeing a lower end RB2. And if you have an influx on your expectation in your lineup, then that could lead to other start decisions in the rest of your lineup that maybe don't reflect the true value. I'm not ranking guys at their ceiling here. I'm ranking guys the most probable outcomes because that gives you a better idea of how to make a better decision and the most probable outcome somewhere else. That's how you win in fantasy. Is it always going to work every single time? No, that's why it's called probability. And I don't have a probability that Travis Etienne finishes in the top 10 against the Cleveland Brown defense when his own offense is going to get a downgrade and a backup quarterback, who's hurt too, by the way. C.J. Bathard, non-throwing shoulder, he's a little bit banged up. It's a mid-pack matchup against the Cleveland Browns, but he's only had one. One top 12 finish since the bye week. And last week, I didn't even realize this, but last week was the first week since week five, he's been over four yards of carry. Etienne's been inefficient. He's just finding the end zone and getting enough volume. I don't know if you necessarily find the end zone against the Cleveland Browns defense. I know Kyron did last week, but the inefficiency guy has me worried with a downgrade to quarterback position. So Adam, what's your expectation for Travis Etienne here?
3: I think I'd probably split the difference between you and, uh, ECR. Uh, if I'm being honest, I think he's probably closer to a mid, uh, RB two. I-, I think he's, this is kind of where the volume is going to come in. Uh, you saw this past week, he was questionable coming in. They have a rib, injury, but the game's close. They play him like the entire time. Uh, and to your point with Beathard, with Beathard potentially being injured, I mean, he got <laughs> hurt on like that first scramble where he almost fumbled, uh, when he came into the game, uh, This is a game that I do expect to be close. And if it's close throughout, ETN is going to be on the field the entire time. If they ever get into the red zone, it's going to be ETN. I don't think they're going to trust him to throw it in unless the time is, is such that running is a bad idea. I think he kind of is going to be the offense this week. And yes, the efficiency between his own efficiency being bad and between the Browns defense being historically good. Uh, I certainly don't expect him to break three yards per carry, but I do expect him to get 20 carries. I do expect him to get 95% of any red zone offensive usage. And with that, yeah, I, I think he's at least merits an RB2, or like higher up in the RB2.
1: Okay. okay. Fair enough. The volume might get him there. The volume might get him there, but just it hasn't really been that pretty for Travis Etienne as of late. Just wanted to point that out. Uh, Jerome Ford, he does crack my top 24 this week. Uh, the, the the red zone, especially starting to utilize Jerome Ford more in that territory has allowed Kareem Hunt to fall outside the top 36 and Jerome Ford be kind of getting solidified as an RB two. Calvin Ridley. I was surprised. I surprised myself on this one. I actually have him ahead of ECR. I got him at wide receiver 22. I, I do have him in the top 24 receiver. This is mostly in reflection of the volume that misses from Christian Kirk. And in compared with, I should not compare it with, combined with the fact that I would suspect C.J. Bathard will lock into a number one read and kind of stay there a little bit more, especially more so than a Trevor Lawrence would be. I would suspect that would be Calvin really this week. So, even a tough matchup, I think there might be enough volume for really to get your top 24 performance. Chris, you see that way? Are you looking at Calvin really more like ECR and a wide receiver three here?
2: Probably more like ECR. I've been a good Calvin Ridley fan, but in this matchup, I think the issue is well, number one is going to be the health, the secondary for Denzel the award, yeah. if he's out there or not. But the other part is to your point, CJ Bethard. I don't disagree that over the rest of the season, Christian Kirk might see that his you know, his role will be replaced with somewhat Calvin Ridley. But I think what you're going to see with C.J. Bathara is going to be a lot more short passing attack and a lot more guys who are closer to the line of scrimmage getting the ball. Calvin Ridley, upon the reasons he's been up and down throughout the season, is because he's been utilized more down the field, especially for the Jacksonville offense as their kind of stretch guy. Um, so I am concerned about unless they start moving around the formations now, which they haven't really shown you too much of. I am concerned about him, especially this week versus defense, that you're going to probably get rid of the ball rather quickly, and you're not necessarily going to dominate the line of script if you're running attack. So I do think the passing attack is going to be a lot of shorter attack, tight ends, running backs, slot receivers.
1: Yeah, can't totally disagree with that there either. Uh, Elijah Moore, he's a wide receiver, 38 for me. As soon as we get confirmation on Cooper, I probably will slide him into my top 36. Love the fact that he got 12 targets. Last week, out of Joe Flacco and Flacco, we know let it fly. And Elijah Moore does have deep field ability, so I like him a lot in DFS this week. Somebody definitely take a shot on who's got a good price points, but you could go ahead and take him as a shot play. I think in your flex this upcoming week as well with the volume he's been looking to get. Dave Nujoku cracks my top twelve, although Flacco didn't look much his way. We'll see if that changes after an extra week of preparation. Evan Ingram, Chris, you talked about some of the short passing attacks. I might go towards Evan Ingram's way, which I have him going in my top 10. He scored a touchdown last 10. week. Wow. Finally. Finally. It's a miracle. Absolutely. He's like he was in Jacoby Myers, Deontay Johnson, you know, facet there for a little while. Maybe he'll follow their suit. And once he got one, he'll get two and three and four. We'll have to see. Uh, you guys getting in the notes to this game?
2: I just want to say real quick, Dan. Shout out Joe Flacco for talking about all the backup quarterback and garbage <laughs> we've watched this entire season to see a guy who actually has arm strength, who actually completed, attempted, and completed more 10 yard pass average yards of air over 10 yards than the entire Cleveland team has done in the past five Dude, seasons. Second on the week, in one week of practice, one week, an entire five <laughs> years, he was able to have a first game back and go over the air yards. It was actually a pleasure to watch him play quarterback last week. And thank God, because a lot of quarterback play we've watched has been atrocious. And it might be because I smell like Elijah Moore, a guy who's stashed on If you're going to drop some of the guys talking about earlier, you know, those binge guys, you keep them around pickings. Elijah might be one of those guys you might consider adding over some of those other guys because I do like upside, especially with Cooper being banged up like he
1: has well, been. I, I 100% would play him over Pickens. I'd play him over Drake London, and a guy we're going to talk about later, I'd play him over Adam Thielen too. We're going to talk about that in a little bit uh, coming up soon. Uh, yeah, all right, so let's move on to our next matchup. <laughs> with the Flacco thing, it does make you wonder um, – what the hell are the Jets doing with Tim Boyle? And how's the, the whole league doing? Just right. really, come on.
2: Like, <laughs> like go find the- a bunch of quarterbacks who used to have arms that are old now. And go get them higher and bring them back in.
1: <laughs> I would rather see Philip Rivers than most of the guys playing in the league right now. That's that's ramen. I was never a Philip Rivers fan. All right, so we got the Carolina Panthers taking on the New Orleans Saints. Carr probably not going to play another backup situation, but Jameis Winston at least. He's kind of like Joe Flacco. He's gonna let it fly, so it's not gonna be all that terrible at least to watch from that standpoint. Uh, nothing really going on from Carolina standpoint as far as injury is concerned. Tays- uh, Taysom Hill dealing with a hand issue. We will have to keep an eye on him. Of course, the week I finally rank his butt inside, well inside the top ten. Uh, Rank him at tight end six because he's been leading the way as a ball carrier for this team. And he now has a hand issue we have to look at. So, yeah, you know, Taysom Hill just always the uh, lovely nightmare that he is to rank every single week. The Saints, by the way, are favored in this game at minus five and a half. The over under sitting at thirty seven and a half. Both teams have. Each only had four games go on the over this year. I am taking the under 37 and a half for this ball game, unfortunately. Talk about Jameis Winston, Adam. What do you think his overall impact is for this team? Especially when we're talking about Abel Kamara and Chris Olave.
3: It's tough. Uh, I think it's great for Olave. Uh I, I'm curious what happens with Kamara. I think they have tried to make getting Kamara the ball a bit uh more of a priority when they're not trying to give Taysom the ball in the the red zone instead um, this year than they did when Jameis was a starter. Um, having said that, I am still curious if Jameis coming back in means that, you know, Kamara's receiving kind of goes to the wayside and, and, you know, the Taysom Hill packages goes to the wayside. Cause when we saw Jameis as the starter, those were the things that they didn't have. So whether they keep the things that have been working now, at least somewhat working uh, they're Probably overperforming slightly. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I do think he will uh, push the ball down the field. I do think uh, he will probably, if I had to guess, have a little bit lower of a completion percentage um, <laughs> than Carr. Um, but on the whole, but you know who he's targeting outside of Olave being a little higher. I'm not not quite sure.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with all that. I mean, uh, I, I would say normally it hurts Adam Kamara, but because he gets to play Carolina, I still got him as my number two running back overall. Right. This Even if he just runs, it, yeah, like, it's fine. You're, you're safe. You're safe by the matchup no matter what. Yeah, with they I got him a top 12 receiver. Uh, the volume is going his way anyway. That's not going to change mm-hmm. with Jameis. Maybe actually, to your point, does get a few. The ADON volume. just goes higher. <laughs> yeah, and maybe he actually gets a few big plays, which is really what his bread and butter to his game should actually be. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, he does come in as an RB3 for me at 30. I just I don't want to get overly excited about Hubbard. One, this is not a great match against the Saints, but two, we've seen this happen a few weeks ago where all of a sudden it looked like he took over. Miles Sanders looked pretty good, and then Hubbard came back down the earth about being Hubbard again. Can you flex him? Sure. Otherwise, though, not really looking forward to having to play him even despite the big performance last week. Chris, help me out with this question here from Richard. Full point PPR. He's got Trevor Lawrence out. He needs a quarterback. His options are Matthew Stafford or Jake Browning. we got Stafford playing against the Baltimore Ravens. Browning, of course, we just talked about uh, playing the Colts. Which direction would you go here?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Browning. Um, playing the Colts defense, who hasn't been really good on the outside themselves, definitely can give us some passing yardage. I think Cincinnati, both these teams are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field for the Cincinnati Colts game versus <coughs> Rams game. I think they could actually get dominated by this Ravens defense. Very concerned for Stafford. His offensive line's not very good. I'm not going to play on playing Stafford this week. I would play Browning.
3: I will throw it out there though that they're by most metrics the Colts defense on the passing front has been significantly better the past month uh, and Jalen Jones has stepped up and been in the top 20 or so cornerbacks in the league uh, it, it they've been one defense but they're the passing defense that we saw at the beginning of the season has not been they're on the other side of
2: the you know median. Well, I think the difference from me, Adam, personally, is that I agree with that. But I think what we see last week, and I think you see a lot of this in general, they're using the Joe Burroughs banged up offense right now. And basically their running attack, they don't like running the ball as it is. So they throw the ball a lot, the Lions, which Dan alluded to earlier. That's their running attack. And I think where you can expose the Colts is their linebackers aren't good in coverage. I do think you can complete a lot of short yardage. I think the volume for Browning I trust versus a Rams team taking on a Ravens defense that is really good. The Rams offense had an okay week versus a really bad defense last week. Do you really trust Matthew Stafford to you go know a decent amount of passes when we saw quarterbacks get murdered by the Ravens this past season?
3: Yeah, well, I, I agree with Browning, and I agree with the linebackers. I just disagreed on them being bad on the outside. They have been good in the last month or so.
1: Yeah. I'll battle back on that a little bit, Adam. As far as them being good in the last month, because they played the Panthers, the Patriots, the Titans this past week. The only team they played that actually had legitimate outside receivers was the Bucks a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Mike Evans had no problem in that game. So. I think there's a little bit of a... Hopkins
2: was too decent, I thought, last week, too. I thought, I thought Chase will have a pretty good game. Yeah,
1: I, I, I think it's a little misleading given who they've played over the last month as, as well as far as that metric is concerned. Uh, Adam Thielen, this is who I, I need to talk about here because ECR still wants you to play him as a wide receiver three. Why? Why? I got him at wide receiver 49, and, and I'm, well, I don't really care whether you sad. guys agree or disagree with Prepare
0: this. to be flushed. <laughs>
1: Talked about those guys who have names that have landmine value to them. Adam Thielen is 100% that guy. Thomas Brown, when he calls plays, he has a less than five-yard A-dot. They want to get Jonathan Mingo the ball. That has been clear also since Thomas Brown has been calling plays. There's, there's no ceiling. There's no fancy value. He is not finished as a playable wide receiver with Thomas Brown calling plays it was nice for i'm dealing. it's over now go ahead chris you're shaking your head
2: I just know you hate Adam Thielen, and you're, like, dying to get him off your team, and it cracks me up. Fact, Again, it, you you could, could, There's no reason to get rid of Adam Thielen. There's nothing on the way No right reason. Now you have to get your hands over, on over Adam Thielen. I'm just sorry. I, 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 it, I would drop him for
1: finishing. Elijah Moore in a heartbeat. I would drop him I for would, Josh
2: yeah. Downs, who's widely
1: available in a lot of leagues in a
2: heartbeat. Would you not take him over? You would
1: not take Josh Downs over Adam Thielen right now? You're crazy.
2: No, I know. I I, I I love Josh Downs. I think he's a guy who falls third in the totem pole or second in the totem pole receiver. For, for the offense, I am not trust that guy going to be now. The, guy going to be the okay.
1: on a bet on a worse passing offense. <laughs> and this fact, no, these are this is not hatred. This is facts with Thomas Brown
2: calling plays. You're the taking, fact you're is, taking a very small sample about four games and You're making a projection for the that's, rest of the that's, season. That's hard. Yeah, 100%. based on the four, it's an exactly four Weeks ago, we're we're cutting half yeah. our team. Trevor Lawrence about, they hasn't won anything. The last two weeks until he got hurt, it was been awesome scoring like eight touchdowns. Dak Prescott for four weeks was a horrible guy. We we're draft dropping four weeks later as a top quarterback. We so are at the fantasy football four weeks playoffs. Is not a lot we are not in a situation where we can
1: line. keep pussyfooting footing around plain and simple. And it might be only a four-game stretch, but the four games has been exactly the same result four games straight with Thomas Brown calling plays. I think that's enough for me to make an assumption based on the fact that we are at the fantasy playoffs. Now, Adam Thielen has literally, literally not been usable in any of those games. In fact, 50th, 119th two weeks ago, 40th, 48th. Those are the four games in which Thomas Brown called plays. It's only broken up by a 24 performance a wide receiver 24 performance the one week frank wright took back the play calling he's not playable with thomas brown calling plays player adam you want to break the tie here
3: i don't think he's playable i'm not dropping him i'm not playing him this week uh i yeah to your point <laughs> if josh downs was on the waiver wire i would drop him for josh downs but i i'm not in any leagues where that's the case and i i understand the the percentages are that there are leagues out there where Josh Downs is available. And if you are in one of the, those leagues, yes, go drop Thielen or someone else in your bench for Josh Downs. Uh, but I think for most more competitive leagues, Thielen is still rosterable. Uh, but again, he's not he's not cracking
1: my 36 this week. Oh, I gotta see this real quick. What's, there, what's, what's Carolina's schedule the the rest of the way? Let me see, let me see if I can pull those up real fast. Because I, I want to do a showdown with Chris, where I'm leaning towards he not doesn't finish inside the top 36 the rest of the season. But I gotta see what I gotta see what their schedule is. All right, so you got the you got the Saints this week. Obviously, they got the Falcons, the Packers, the Jacksonville Jaguars. That la, that that plays it out there. Yep, I'll do that, Chris. I will do a showdown with you. He does not finish inside the top 36 again for the rest of the season and half. No, CPS. I'm not
2: asking you to do a I'm doing whether or not who you're adding, Dan. So you said Elijah Moore and Josh Downs so for the rest of the season. I'll take that. Take me. Who's going to finish better the rest of the season? Adam Thielen, Elijah Moore, Adam or Josh Downs. I'd rather but drop. I'm talking Adam about who are replacing him with. I'm not saying we're going to finish. He but doesn't projecting. have to be for a
1: wide receiver. I'll, 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 I will drop him for a tight end who helps me out, a defense who helps me out, a kicker who helps me out. I will drop him for the hope that somebody who I play against in the playoffs picks him up and actually has the dumb ignorance to play him in his lineup against me. That's the reason I would drop. Not even necessarily to pick up somebody better, just to
2: screw up somebody else. I mean, I don't have to argue that. I don't know how it's just a bet for us this season that Adam <laughs> Thielen's going to tank somebody else's team. Yeah, I <laughs> thought you were going to be like Adam
1: Thielen's still usable options. We were going to be a top 36 the Rest of the way, I was all. I'm saying Adam by.
2: Thielen. Oh, the yeah, guys yeah, talking yeah. about you're going to drop him for. I'm saying he would finish higher than those guys for the rest of the season.
1: Then so, I mean, I'll, I'll I do Josh Downs. I'll, I'll take Josh Downs over Adam Thielen the rest of the season. You want to do a showdown on that because we can sure. do that starting from week was <laughs> it fourteen? Yeah, starting from week fourteen. All right, I, I like. Uh, There you go. Adam Thielen. Josh or Josh Downs versus Adam Thielen from week 14 to week 17. Right here for us on the next showdown. Love it. Like it. Uh already talked about Taysom Hill. So you guys got any other notes you want to touch on for this matchup? All right, let's go to our next game. <laughs> Houston Texans taking on the New York Jets in New York. Houston minus six and a half here with an over under of only 34 and a half. And each team's only gone the over four times. It kind of surprised me at Houston, given their offense and what they've been able to do this year, but not scoring a ton of points. I do take Houston to cover against a dysfunctional. <laughs> To say the least, offense and the, the Jets, who are now making Zach Wilson the starting quarterback. Oh, he's back, baby. You know what's making me really laugh? is that I was happy. <laughs> I was happy when they announced Zach Wilson was going to be the starting quarterback. I shouldn't be happy at all. But I'm like, at least Garrett Wilson's got a chance. Maybe Brees Hall's got a shot. He did bust his big plays when Zach Wilson was under center because it looked like there was nothing that could happen anywhere with what was going on there with Tim Boyle. And I, I had a panic attack for like half a second when they signed Brett Rippon. So I was like, oh, oh, my, oh my God, please tell me they're not actually going to play Brett Rippon now. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Back to Zach Wilson. Chase, welcome in the program, buddy. Chase Thornton joining the show, buddy. Good to see you. Oh, man. Just what an absolute catastrophe is going on there. I mean, what was your reaction when when, when Zach Wilson got the nod there? And what was your reaction really to the stories about whether or not Zach Wilson even wanted to play or start for the Jets anymore? I wouldn't.
4: Listen, he hasn't been great. I mean, let's – I mean, he – and he'd probably be the first one to line up and tell you that himself – But I wouldn't blame him if he just kind of gave a great big to the entire organization at this point. He's kind of been jerked around left and right. And like I said, he has not been great. He has not been a top five overall type pick. His performance hasn't warranted that, but they keep jerking him back and forth so much. They bring in Aaron Rodgers, and I think he was willing to say, hey, you know, yeah. I'll sit behind yeah, you know, a Hall of Famer for a year or learn or whatever. And I think he, he was perfectly happy to do that. But the jerking him around and then putting Tim Boyle in and watching what the hell that was, then cutting Tim Boyle and now, yeah, bringing in Brett Rippon. Yeah, I I was happy, too. As weird as it sounds, I was happy as well when when Zach Wilson was, was told he was the starting quarterback. Not just the starting quarterback again, but this time supposedly for the year. He's supposedly it now from here on out. Uh, We'll see, you know, we'll, we'll watch that drama unfold, but uh, no, I mean, I think, yeah, like you said, it gives everybody else on that roster, at least some kind of hope for scoring fantasy points, if nothing else, because yeah, at least Garrett Wilson was usable with Zach Wilson under center.
3: I will not be convinced that Tim Boyle is in the top hundred quarterbacks alive and with that, if I was Zach Wilson and I got benched for Tim Boyle, I would be pretty pissed. And I would probably be pretty vindictive. So right. good on him for right. saying sure I'll play.
4: If yeah, to be one of the top hundred quarterbacks like basically means yeah, you're you're a quarterback, you're at least emergency quarterback depth in the NFL. And well, he or just like one of the top look- couple
1: guys in college.
4: Right. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean not he couldn't
1: afford him. not, he couldn't afford not to play. Let, let, let's, 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 get no. real here. You're
0: no, just, he had to.
1: You can't, you can't say, no, I'm not going to play. and you think you're ever going to have a career moving forward here. So let, let's get Let's get real from that standpoint. I think that's where the real storyline of this whole thing was like, who the hell do you think you are that you could just say no to a starting job in the NFL? I get
4: but what was he really, what was he really saying? No, though. Or did we get the New York media blowing? I don't shit know if you
1: actually saying it or not, but the fact yeah. that it was even a story is laughable in and of itself. It is. it is. It is.
4: It, right. It's just. It's kind of indicative of the debacle the whole freaking thing has devolved into. Uh, I'm just glad that's happening in New York. It's not happening in Green Bay. <laughs> so well, it, it followed. Rodgers, it followed him eastward, and I'm fine with that. So.
1: Speak, speaking Boulder, of Rogers, we'll just tie that all in here too. They're like. Because they're talking about, okay, like, what's the motivation now for an Aaron Rodgers to come back and play? Because the Jets aren't going to be in the playoffs. I think we all recognize that at this point. And everyone's laying out that their only motivation could be in an attempt to save his boy, Nathaniel Hackett's job, maybe the entire coaching staff's job, to come back and be like, all right, if I came back and played well, he'd be like, all right, we'll see we are on the right track if I was just in the mix. Like, you're going to tell me that's the motivational factor for a quarterback who's 40 years old coming off an Achilles injury way too soon is going to have just to save his boy's job. Is that where we're really at now with the Aaron Rodgers fiasco? And, and yeah,
4: it's- can we, hey, it, while we're on the Maybe Rodgers subject, Sorry. I'm going to just, I'm going to nail this shit to the wall right now, real quick. <laughs> can we look at both of these teams? Can, not, not, not these teams, not Houston and the Jets. Who has the better receiving core between Green Bay? And the New York Jets right now.
1: As a whole, as the Packers.
4: Ba-bum. Yeah. 100% Ba-bum. 100%. But he had to get out to New York because that was going to be where they were going to give him all the help. And all he did was drag the same guys that he was complaining about with him. And here now, the Packers have a young, exciting, talented receiving core that he could be throwing to if he hadn't a jackassed himself around. I still I mean, am grateful like, that I had him as my quarterback for seventeen years, but I'm also grateful that he's in New York right now and that we get to watch Zach Wilson Sunday
3: uh-huh. I will say the of line is way worse <clears throat> yes yeah so yeah. what, so, so, right.
4: so what the hell did he do what what so what improved for him that he begged himself into New York
1: More other special. than the running back Brand this is all about brand this is all about brand now exactly I was like, so, Gary, so Gary stop Wilson's squawking friend. about
4: so I'm ta- I'm talking to Aaron now so stop squawking about the not winning. If it, you know, obviously, it was all about brand, so stop squawking about not being able to win with what they gave you in Green Bay when you made it to the conference championship on average every flipping year. Oh, Chase. Oh, oh. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm loving okay, the drama well, in New York, I'm that loving real that. Quick. You, know. you
2: didn't draft any offensive weapons for him while he was there, so let's just throw that back out there. You've most of, most of your draft capital on an offensive this year – Yes, the Dobbs was last year, a fourth rounder, Watson, a second rounder. So that's supposed to make you so happy, I guess. A guy who's been there for a decade and should have had how many draft picks that were spent on defense that was horrible for how long? I'm not I'm not, argu- I'm not arguing I'm not I'm arguing that, that they never gave him that. either.
4: I'm but, just well, saying, like he goes out there like all of a sudden they gave him everything he wanted. And apparently what he wanted was the same Galdar and guys he's that he had here. End. Well, I that, think
2: what, I think why the only reason we hear about Aaron Rodgers right now, to just what Dan was saying earlier, is Aaron Rodgers likes to hear about Aaron Rodgers. Yes, that's the only reason that we're talking about him coming back this season. That would be the only reason he would come back this season, but because I want to be Aaron Rodgers and I want to do something that never had been done before. Yeah, that's prove that it. prove Nothing that I can guess, come back in a, a year from. Do the winning. Yep. All to do with Aaron Rodgers hearing about Aaron Rodgers. Yep.
1: Yeah. No, I, I do want to add this point in there too. Garrett Wilson's head and shoulders better than anything on the Green Bay Packers. Yes, yes. Whole he's, yes. he's the
4: he's the best of the entire bunch yeah. by head and shoulders. And, and yeah.
1: that in and of itself could be enough for a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who knew how good it was when he as long as he just when had the Yep. I, I I just I just want to And the team spends out. money on
2: free agents also.
1: And a team that spends money on free agency. But anyway, I, di- I digress. The whole situation is banana balls going on there. Uh, but I think we do agree. that with Zach Wilson back in the lineup that the main impact is Garrett Wilson at least is a serviceable wide receiver. Three, maybe Brees Hall will be allowed to score a touchdown again. I mean, it's still not great. It's still not better than that head and shoulders better than what it has been over the past couple of weeks. But at least there's some hope now when it comes to those two guys, in my opinion. Uh, CJ Stroud. I, I know I'm supposed to be worried because it's the Jets. I know I'm supposed to be worried because Tank Dell is not on the roster. But I still look at CJ Stroud and I look at the way he's been playing, and I look at the fact that just a couple of weeks ago we saw you know Waddle and Hill both go for 100 yards against this Jets team. And I just think about the Jets offense and what bad positions they put that defense in time and time and time again. And you know what? I still have Shoud's Q- QB six. I'm still bullish on him this week. Uh, you guys disagree? I disagree. Okay, okay. Go
2: ahead. I mean, I don't just strongly disagree. I think he could be possibly top 10. My concern, Dan, is the sense that you're playing a Jets defense that is really good. And the difference for him that he's going to be facing, not having a tank down to kind of push down and make the big explosive plays. You got Nico Collins, and that's about the, the, your prime guy. Usually Rebus, not Rebus, I'm sorry, Rebus. Um, usually Sauce is going to take away one of the guys, and then it's going to be, can you take advantage the other receivers? The only team that we've seen kind of blow them out, like you said, the Dolphins, Dolphins can run the ball really well. We haven't seen the same kind of running game from this offense the entire season. And to me, it's the only way you're really going to attack the Jets. If you can run the ball the Jets, absolutely, and then you can do play action and get them over the top. But if you're just going to try to throw the ball versus these corners, good luck. It's going to be tougher than you think. And I haven't seen this Texas offense really showing me they can run the ball versus this Jets defense. That's what well, I'm interested to see.
1: No, I, I the Texans can run the ball. The problem is they keep piddle, paddling around with Damian with Pierce who for a good reason. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And yeah.
1: if they just stuck with Devin Singletary, they might be okay. But, but yeah, to your point, though, it could be the case. Either way, though, I think C.J. Styles still has to be. If he's been your starting quarterback to this point, I think he still is your starting quarterback against New York Jets. That doesn't change. And I don't think we should fall short on Noah Brown. I know he didn't wind up doing anything last week, but he's just getting back from the knee contusion, still in practice limited capacity throughout the week. I think this week he's back a little bit healthier, didn't have any setbacks. I still think you're going to be able to tack the ball down the field. He's not tanked Dell, but I still think he would tack the ball down the field on the other side with Noah Brown. To your point, though, play action will be a key
2: there. And not Jalen Waddle and not Tyree Kale, You're throwing to either.
1: Yeah. I don't know how good Jalen Waddle has been this, this year. We'll get into that later. Uh, Brees Hall, again, I do have him as an RB3 this week, a high-end RB3. The talent's always there. There does seem to be somewhat of a disconnect right now. Not that's you know, the Jets offense as a whole, but they seem to the coaching staff seems to be pointing fingers at Brees Hall, saying he's not hitting the holes he's supposed to. If I'm Brees Hall, I'm saying what hole I'm can, you call,
2: can you call this out, yeah? Can can you call this out the Jets coaching staff just in general, please? Yeah, like, it we're excusing Brees Hall is not running hard enough, looking for the dirty yards. That's his problem. Al Lazard's not trying. Al Lazard's in the lead because all he does is dirty work, and you're trying to yes. act like Al Lazard's not hungry <laughs> enough to be on the field. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry. Get get the hell out of here. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Nope. It's all right. I
1: understand. The Jets will make you do that, Chris. The Jets will make you do
0: that.
1: Uh, Devin, Devin Singletary is an, uh, a lower NRB3. He still technically played the most snaps out of the backfield. But now you have a Gumbawale trying to get in the mix for I don't know what reason they've like overly tried to feed Damian Pierce in the red zone last week. I'm not sure what the reasoning behind that was. Uh, I would rather not play anybody until we get another week yes. of you know data points to try to see if we get some kind of clarification on what to even expect out of this backfield right now. Chris, you mentioned Nico Collins. I'm still playing Nico Collins with confidence. What we've seen out of this offense is that, especially when somebody goes down, that target share volume does get consolidated to the other guys. So even in a tough matchup, Nico Collins to me still needs to be a wide receiver too. Adam, what do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's had a really good year so far. and I, I will admit I didn't really like him coming out, and the you know first year or two or whatever was not – anything special, but he's played really well this year. And I think it's time to get real about that. And, you know, bad matchup doesn't matter. Good quarterback, good receiver. It's going to find a way to provide some kind of value, especially, uh, you know, outside of standard, you know, in your half point, in your full point.
1: Yeah. And let's, let's put it this way too. You're not going to bench a guy who almost had 200 yards receiving the no. week before. I don't care who he's playing up against the, the, this, this week, but on a larger picture, especially getting Noah Brown to this conversation their playoff schedule is pretty juicy. You got Tennessee, Cleveland tough, but then you get Tennessee again. You got two out of three matchups coming up. We're going to be happy to have, especially a guy like a Noah Brown, who I think will be a top 30 receiver in at least two of those three games coming up, maybe even all three if he gets going back to what we saw a couple weeks ago, which he was getting those downfield plays on a very usable In his own right. Uh, Dalton Schultz, good news on him. He did come back and practice today trying to make his way back with the hamstring injury. He will be a top 10 tight end for me if he's able to be back into the mix. You guys have any other notes for this game?
3: I'm just throwing it out there and you've kind of hit the point, so I don't want to get after it too hard, but I'm in a few dynasties that are the trade deadline is this week. And if I'm contending in those in a league that it's still open, you can go until the playoff. Noah Brown is a guy that I really want to get my hands on, especially after last week. He had he was up there for routes run. He was up there with uh, Nico Collins in snaps. And it just didn't work out from a fantasy perspective, from a production perspective. But he was out there. He's a guy that I want.
4: I'm yeah, gonna I mean, back all- I wanna I wanna back up your point too about Dalton Schultz and being a top ten tight end if he plays because with yeah with Tank Dell out you mentioned the idea of the the targets getting consolidated to the other guy the other guy in the case of Tank Dell's targets can be Dalton Schultz in some of those situations too especially when they get down short in the red zone so I like Titans like top able to attack ten the Jets. Yeah. Titans have
1: been able to attack the Jets. All right, let's move on to our next matchup here. <laughs> We got the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Baltimore Ravens. We kind of talked about this game a little bit earlier. We're fielding some Matthew Stafford questions. Baltimore's favored in this game at seven and a half points with an over under set at 42 and a half. Baltimore has been eight and four against the spread so far this year, but they have been under 500 when six and a half point favorites or. More, I am never, I am never going to bet against Baltimore at home so far this year until the team proves it that they can actually go into Baltimore and score a bunch of points. So I am going to take the Ravens to cover at seven and a half in this one. Uh, do have Lamar Jackson as a QB one as you would, but I will say he just sticks into my top tens. Not been very pretty for Lamar Jackson over the past few weeks, and we got to see how this offense does adjust with not having Mark Andrews. Wouldn't want to play Stafford if you could all help it this week. You're playing Kyron, no matter what. The guy's back to like ninety percent of the work, like he got last week It was absolutely ridiculous. Let's have a little debate about uh, Keaton Mitchell and Gus Edwards. Chase, we'll go to you, we'll be my Gus Edwards man on the show. But uh, which one? Which one would you rather play here? Would you rather play Gus? Or rather how do Keith? I
2: get?
4: How do I get this label?
2: Drop uh, I... Gus Edwards, Chase. Drop Gus <laughs> Edwards.
4: Drop him. I'm not dropping his ass. I'm but no, I, I do have I have for this week I have Edwards at 26, I have Mitchell at 30. So I still have Edwards ahead of him, but that's based mostly on the idea that Gus gets into the end zone, and that's that's always the key with him. And especially since it, I mean we've seen it now. Mitchell's snap count and his usage has increased it increased and increased week over week. And we finally saw it right before the buy there that he kind of took over the lead in, in snaps in that backfield. And it was at the expense of, you know, kind of and Just, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Uh, I think Justice Hill, I'm, I'm not interested in any way, shape or form right now. I think this is between Gus and between Keaton. This week, I barely have Gus Edwards ahead of Keaton Mitchell. But I do think it's trending in the direction that this is Keaton Mitchell's backfield for the most part. And Edwards will just continue to be – will increasingly be touchdown dependent, even more so than he already has been. I would
1: say, though, as a result of those touchdowns, I do have him ahead of Keaton Mitchell here. I got him at RB23, Mitchell at RB27. While Mitchell, I agree with you, especially the last game, looked like he had kind of edged him out, he's still not getting the red zone looks. He's still not involved in the passing attack because no running back of the Ravens will ever be that involved in the passing attack. That's just not part of the game plan. Only like a, a target or two here and there. So Gus Edwards to me is still the more valuable back because he's still the more likely to wind up in the red zone if it's not going to be Lamar Jackson. But I do think both are playable this well,
4: week. well, and speaking of Lamar Jackson, though, do we do you see any kind of regression to, to the touchdown mean for him? He's only got one touchdown rushing score since like what week five. No,
1: I not mean, really. Lamar, so here's my thing about Lamar Jackson, and why I was thinking he was kind of playing over his head from a fantasy perspective to some degree earlier in the year. He's never been a big rushing touchdown guy, that's the he gets all the yards, so he gets the passing touchdowns but he's never been a guy in his career who ran for a high total of rushing touchdowns, especially comparative to the amount of times that he rushes the football. So no, I don't think it's out of the realm to think that maybe Lamar Jackson only goes for one more rushing touchdown the rest of the season. I don't think that would be something not to expect.
4: Okay. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. That's it. Uh, it was a Adam, question. I wasn't making a point. It was a question. <laughs> <laughs> it's an actual question. <laughs> yeah.
1: Adam, help me out on Cooper cut, man. Like, I, I want you to theorize – my note here is to theorize on what the issue is. Is he Paul all Robinson? He all <laughs> is not 100%? He's Alan Robinson in the offense? Is it just Puka Naku is the number one guy, and we all just have to live in Puka Naku's world from now on? Like, well, what's up with Cooper Cup? I,
3: I don't think he's healthy, and I don't know what's up because he had, you know, a big game or two immediately after coming back from his injury, but ever since then, it's been bad. Um, but he doesn't look like him. Um, and I don't know, they've tried giving him volume and then that didn't work. So then they're like, all right, well, we'll go with the guys that seem to be healthy. I don't know, Chris, you, I don't know if you were just raising your hand, but I
2: was, yeah. they're not, he's, not, he's not the first read, Dan. They're not making the first read. That's why I say it's the yeah. Allen Robinson in the offense right now. They're I, I feel like he was though on the first pass, the first read offensive plays called for him have percentages have gone dramatically down. And they're scheming up Nakua to be that kind of the alpha in the offense right now. Now it could be injury related, but what I watched last week was basically Cooper Cup. Just you, you be Robert Woods Robert. a couple years ago, and you run around, do the jet action sweep, and we'll get everybody else the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree was.
3: with I agree with that. This past week it was definitely Puka's the X, and I I think that's probably the case for the rest of the season. But I think when Cooper Cup first started to dwindle off, he was still the first read. Like the switch wasn't the same week that he first went from not no, being it's been, 100 it's yards. No, it
2: has been over pro- progressively over the time. Since that first week, you're Like you're right. He came back, the percentage was were equal to what it had been normally. And then each week it's been decline where he's been coming to, less, to first read less and less. And they're not scheming him the same way. They're prioritizing the other guys to scheme up.
1: It, it, it's one hundred percent right now. Puka Nakua is the number one receiver this offense. There's absolutely yeah. no question about that. I, I think the more issue is, and maybe from this is a dynasty question: is it is it that Cooper Cup is is not one hundred percent, or is he afraid to open it up, or is he just whole? I mean, there's a chance there's a world in which Cooper Cup is just maybe he just hit that cliff, like an Allen Robinson did. You know, just kind of using that as an example. I think that's something that we none of us can really answer as of this moment. But when we go into next year, uh, I'm looking at Cooper Cup as somebody who probably shouldn't be drafted more as a wide receiver three, if even at that, and shouldn't be used as wide more than wide receiver three now uh, and for the rest of the season. I don't think this is something that changes anytime soon. Putin a must start as a result, no matter who they're playing against, even with the Baltimore Ravens. Zay Flowers. I do have him as a high-end wide receiver three. You're probably playing him inside your lineups a little bit lower than ECR. Want to see him get utilized more in the red zone, more deep-field threats. Maybe he gets more volume now without Mark Andrews, but still kind of in that full-point PPR-only type of territory as far as the top 24 is concerned until we see more. Because a guy I want to talk about here, Chris, is OBJ. ECR, I think, sleeping on him, man. Wide receiver 42 is where they got him at. I got him at 32. Before the injury, before he had the injury before the bye week, he had three top 31 performances that included two top 18 performances. It looked like it was starting to turn into OBJ season. And the things that hold me back from going all in on, Zay flowers, like the big plays, like the touchdowns, those look like they were available for OBJ. So assuming he's actually healthy, because, of course, that'll be the big issue. Are you going to play OBJ?
2: I am very reluctant. Look, this is a person that got burned. we in that Chargers game that had OBJs. Listen to all the things, the numbers you're talking about. Then he went out there and had three catches for 30-something yards. Um, <laughs> I think the, the problem – would you say? It was also the game he got injured in. Well, he, had, he was hurt the week before. So he was already kind of – hasn't seen the shoulder thing that he's dealing with. be probably dealing with the ongoing – he's always got a shoulder thing. Um, to me, that's the problem is right now – you talk about Lamar – you talk about Gus Edwards or who's going to be involved. The Ravens don't show you consistency enough of using guys week in, week out that I feel like I can trust anybody consistently. Once Mark Andrews went down, you've seen all kinds of different guys kind of spark. It was Aguilar here, it's Bateman sometimes, it OBJ. I think OBJ is the guy who I, I, I might add, Dan, as a speculative ad, but isn't a guy I'm going to feel really confident necessarily playing on playoff situations where I have no idea who the Ravens' offense is going to be week to week, especially in that passing attack.
1: Well, this yeah, uh, this week will be a telltale, and, and thankfully it's not your playoffs yet. Maybe you don't want to use him this week because you got to get into the playoffs. I definitely have him on my roster though because if they go back to him being the number one guy. This offense needs somebody to emerge as that number one guy without Mark Andrews. It it could could I open- tested
2: past it. Everything else you're saying, I agree with. It. The problem I just think schematically, you haven't seen a guy get prioritized, and that's where I have concern.
1: I think without Mark Andrews, somebody's going to have to be prioritized, is the point that I'm making. Now, whether that's say, Flowers or OBJ, I think that remains to be seen as of this moment. Uh, but we can go to our next matchup <laughs> Minnesota Vikings taking on the Las Vegas Raiders in this game. Justin Jefferson is set to return. Full participant in practice today. Josh Dobbs officially going to be the starting quarterback. Not that I ever thought that was actually in question. I thought it was stupid that we even had to have a press conference about it today. Uh, I don't know why you trade for a guy and then bench him for freaking Nick Mullins. So that's why I never thought that was actually going to be an issue, but confirmation on that end. Minnesota is favored in this game at minus three with a 40 and a half over under each team has only hit the over three times this season. So yes, we will be taking the under on 40 and a half Dobbs. I have as a streamable assets against a good Raiders matchup with Justin Jefferson back and he does run a little bit. I don't have him as out 12, but Picking up on your options, I do have a streaming option. We get Josh Jacobs back. Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler, Chase, uh, I mean, look, I I got Madison as a high-end RB3. He's still getting the volume in the red zone for what it's worth, not that it's amounted to much. Still gets the main carries. Ty Chandler looks kind of explosive, but kind of fizzled out after trying to give him some opportunities too. Uh, What are you looking at in this Minnesota backfield?
4: No, I I think I look at it exactly the same as you. In fact, I think we have them ranked exactly the same there at twenty 25 and 38. I agree with you. I think the thing about Ty Chandler is Ty Chandler looks like what Alexander Madison was when Alexander Madison was the second running back. And, you know, in terms of capabilities, in terms of his fantasy capabilities, and in terms of his capability of actually being the guy probably can be in short stretches, but not cut out to be the number one and here's Alexander Madison trying to be the number one when he's not cut out to it because he's Alexander Madison. So yeah, I'm, I'm not overly excited about either one of them here in this matchup. Uh Even though, I mean, you know, I mean, the Raiders aren't a great matchup for, for running back. Well, I, I mean, the Raiders <laughs> are a good matchup for running backs. If you can actually run the ball. And I don't think it Minnesota's proving that they can actually do that with any kind of, any kind of consistency. So
1: yeah, and you know what, that's, that, that, that's fair. Um, Devontae Adams-Love is a wide receiver, too. Adam, Justin Jefferson's back. I, I, I don't want people to think that means that all of a sudden now, Justin Jefferson, you get him back and he's like.
2: I'm not
3: hearing him. Are you hearing Yeah, him? I believe we've lost you.
4: I think he, mute, he muted himself because he was going off on a tirade about how awesome Justin Jefferson is, but we can't ex- well, assume not, that. Yeah. that it's yeah. About how that he's going to come back be better
2: than he was previously. Justin. I, think is I thought, he was, thought he was being cautious, actually. He was saying he wasn't going to be necessarily.
3: Well, yeah.
4: No. I, I, and, no
3: uh, he, he was saying he's going to be the wider he, receiver. One. Now.
2: Uh, yeah, we, get, we, now got we got you now. I'm yeah. guessing Everybody what you were saying.
4: But I, 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 said, I think we agree pointed. with you. Okay. I, think, I think if the point <laughs> you were going for is, is Justin Jefferson automatically a top two or three guy just because he's back now? Is that where you're heading with that? or And
3: yeah, yeah. that you're betting uh, over on his receiving yards and yeah. putting him for an anytime
1: <laughs> touchdown. And, uh... <laughs> oh, I'm now, now, I now I'm have to go back and listen to the show from last week so and see exactly what else you guys inferred on things I was going to say while I was not <laughs> available to speak for myself. I see how it is around here. No, I was saying Jefferson, he's still a wide receiver one. You're going to play yes. him, but he's not number one overall. He's right. to be number four. So and that's, that's this where it, too many moving parts. Josh Dobbs mm-hmm. has, hasn't played with him yet before first game coming back from the hamstring injury. There's Jordan Addison just suddenly going by the wayside and out of the picture. We haven't really seen Dobbs feature two receivers, right? We've seen him feature a receiver and a tight end, not a tight end and two receivers at any point this season. So I, there's a lot of moving parts here. I so having settled that I've Jefferson as you know, my wide receiver 10 on the week. He's, he's awesome you're playing him he would be the alpha dog for them for this team but i am not going to expect to have a, a a elite top three guy going in and again i, I talked about this earlier why do i bring that up I, proper expectations is important when making start sit decisions throughout yep. the rest of your lineup in crucial situations so that that's why i think it's important to even note that but i was going to go to adam adam what were your expectations with justin jefferson
3: yeah, I mean, I definitely don't actually expect him uh, at 100% of what he was going in, uh, not even just you know coming off an injury, but also given it's Josh Dobbs uh, rather than Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, I, look, I'm putting him immediately into lineups for very little reason, other than if I have Justin Jefferson, then I've probably been desperate at receiver for like a month. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I really need to put someone in who can break double digits consistently. And if it's going to be anyone, it's probably going to be him. So I'd imagine most people who have Justin Jefferson are in similar situations, um, you know, hanging in there for that six seed type of vibe. Um, you know, that's my situation where I have him just hanging in for that last spot. And if I'm getting in, it's going to be probably because of him. Um, but I, I, I don't expect anything miraculous out of him. I do, yeah. get
1: not that anybody cares about <laughs> baseball, but the Yankees just got Juan Soto as the Yankees yes. fan. Uh, that's yeah. I,
4: I was going to run all day. Nobody program. cares
1: about that. The sure, rich get yeah. richer. But, anyway, I digress. We care about football, not baseball.
2: Chris, Chris, what are you going to say here? I'm not worried about just Jefferson at all. And usually I'm the cautious one when it comes back to injuries. But the Minnesota Vikings have made it very clear. and Jefferson made it very clear that they were being overly cautious to make sure he was 100% they're not worried about him playing. They had a whole, um, you know, buy to kind of get connected with Judge Jefferson. I think Dobbs, I re- I'm with you, Dan. I'm not really sure if he can feed multiple mouths. Doesn't matter. We know who the alpha mouth is to feed in Minnesota. That's just Jefferson. So I, Judge Jefferson, think going to be a guy that you were thrilled to have in your lineup. And I do think he's going to be a, a receiver. One. I think he's a must
3: start. I just don't know if he goes right back into being like a top three yeah. guy. Well, I well, think, I, and problem. I think, I
4: think that's the same thing Dan was saying. Is that yeah, we, right. I agree because I agree too. I have him as a wide receiver one. I have him at seven though, a little bit below ECR. I'm just saying, yeah, he's still a wide receiver one. You still have to play him if he's on your roster. Just temper the expectations. Don't necessarily expect Tyreek Hill numbers this week, because we haven't seen him catch balls in a game from josh dobbs yet and that timing is important and he has been off long enough that his timing might be off no matter who the hell was throwing the ball so yeah i'm 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 playing him everywhere i have him but i'm also like dan said tempering my expectations and maybe i'm looking at other places in my lineup where i think i can make those points up right it might cause me to make a different decision somewhere else down the line taking a swing at more points so
1: Uh, This does move Jordan Addison out of the top 36 for me. I want to wait and see how this all shakes out. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I forgot to put his ranking in here, but I do have him inside the top 36 in a good matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. They've been tough to run on, but you can still throw on the Minnesota Vikings defense, even though they've been playing better as of late. So he's been getting volume along with Devontae Adams. He cracks my top 36 as well. TJ Hawkinson, my number one tight end on the week because no matter what's going on the receiver position i trust josh dobbs to throw it to the tight end at least 28 percent of the time you guys got any other notes in this game all right let's move on to our next match. <laughs> the seattle seahawks are going into the san francisco this week and we'll have to see if they have running backs Or not. Both Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet were officially listed as did not practice today, although. Both were saying that they were out there doing work on the side. We'll have to see. Charbonnet, of course, dealing with the knee swelling. They called it a knee bruise. Uh, with with the Seahawks, the problem with the Seahawks beat Carols. We never know exactly what the freaking injury ever actually is. Uh, Kenneth Walker still trying to work his way back from an oblique, so we'll have to well, wait.
4: And, and yeah, Carols Carols point today was that both guys did some stuff. That was how he. That right. was how he labeled them in practice today. Were they yeah, limited? It's, it's Were they what?
1: With them on the sideline, they line.
4: both, they the both did, they did some stuff. Well, yeah. What did they do? <laughs> computer work on the side? Like what? What did some stuff mean?
1: They held his gum. Um <laughs> so, <laughs> San Francisco is a favorite here at minus ten and a half with an over under of forty six and a half. San Fran's had seven games on the over Seattle six. I actually think this game hits the over. I know the last time they played it didn't quite go over the 46 and a half point mark, uh, but San Francisco has been scoring 30 points by themselves. If Seattle just plays a little bit more competitively this time around, I think we do get over that 46 and a half mark in this game. Uh, Brock Purdy. I think he's a must play. I got him as a top four quarterback this week. Uh, I know he didn't go off against Seattle, and there's been there's been quite a bit made about that. So I don't think anybody's making the argument that Brock Purdy shouldn't be a QB one, shouldn't be, you know start in your lineups as a top ten quarterback. But for the people out there saying like, well, he didn't have a great game against Seattle the first time, I don't know if he's a must start. Blah 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 blah. He moved the ball and played in that game just fine. The key was the team wound up having three rushing touchdowns when they usually have at least two passing touchdowns out of Brock Purdy. He had one in that game. So he just has one go his way. He would have been a top 12 quarterback that week. That's all it really would have taken. So overblowing that just a little bit in, in my opinion, Uh, I don't want to play Geno Smith. Good for you. You went off against Dallas. Dallas doesn't have a real defense. They play against real teams. San Francisco does. Chris McCaffrey is an RB one. Of course, course we'll have to wait and see what the backfield's going to be like in Seattle uh Chris I'll ask you this if it's neither of them do you have any confidence in trying to play a DJ Dallas this week in your lineup
2: no no I'm not I wouldn't so, look to play anybody we watched the debacle what happened last time the 49ers took going to Seattle I'm not trusting anybody in the backfield there's not been in a whole lot of holes the run through as it's been you're going to be banking on passing volume and I'm not banking on that.
1: No, I, I agree. Like, Charbonnet would be a high in RB3 or, or Kenneth Walker, whichever one, you know, if there's only one instead of the other. Um, the only thing I will say, I don't think Eric Armstead for the 49ers is going to play this week, so there might be a little more susceptibility in the interior uh, than there was the first time these guys played. But, no, I, I wouldn't trust it at all if it was DJ Dallas. I agree with you there. Uh Brent IU, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel all must play. Wide receivers this week, including DK Metcalf. You know he had a tough time against San Francisco. He's the only Seattle receiver I want to play because Adam. When I look at Tyler Lockett and I look at Jack Smith and Jigba, I don't really want to play either one of them this week if I can help it. But even moving forward now, I don't think we can play Tyler Lockett. And I don't think we can play JSN either. That's the problem. So JSN's playing 74% of the snaps over the last three games. That is a trend in the upward direction. It's taking away from Lockett. But because Lockett's not going away, I don't see Jack Smith and Jingba going off in a fantasy-relevant way in 12-man leagues either. Do you think this thing shakes loose between one of these two over the next you know, three games we have left, basically, with going through the playoffs? Um, I'm not sure if something
3: necessarily shakes loose, but I'm also not necessarily, I don't know how much it matters. Uh, if, if Gino can kind of continue to get healthy, this matchup, the matchups that he has after the San Francisco game are much better. They are all games that you can throw on quite a bit and Philadelphia specifically, you can't run. So you kind of have to throw on them. Um, I, I just, I think that they might, be leaning on this pass game if they have any intention on trying to, uh, you know, make it into the playoffs here, um, you know, in their wild card spot. So with that, I think one of them at least will become playable. I don't know if necessarily the snap count moves significantly. I think, uh, you know, high eighties probably for Lockett as he was 88 this past week, 90 something the week before, like you said, with JSN in the seventies, I think that's probably about where things hover. Maybe it shifts by a half. You know, five percent or so, but probably not much more than that.
1: I think they're rosterable, but I don't know if you're going to be playing them. I mean, your hope is that this team just goes all out, like you, Adam, like you said, full out pass attack against some of the better matchups they have uh, coming up over the next couple of weeks. George Kittle must play at the tight end. Have him as my tight end three this week. You guys have any other notes for this game? As, as usual, most San Francisco games are pretty straightforward with who you're playing. All right, let's move on. <laughs> You know, I thought I would be more excited about this game than I am. We got the <laughs> Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this is like this is your great playoff game. The points score, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Ray receivers, points everywhere. And I'm looking at this game like, can can we get to the over? Is that even possible? Forty-seven and a half? Are we sure that's not too high? Frankly, this week. Kansas City at minus two and a half too. By the way, as far as who, what team's supposed to be winning this game, uh, each team has only had four games go over this year. Now, here's what I do like. I like what I see out of the Bills offense since Joe Burry's taken over the play calling. Much more in sync, much more in rhythm. More guys are getting involved. The Chiefs offensively still look incredibly lethargic. Why Mac Nagy continues to call the plays, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. I think this game, one, the Buffalo Bills win outright in my upset special of the week. That's number one. And number two, I think this is the game that finally smacks the Kansas City Chiefs upside the head and Andy Reid takes back over to play calling after this game. That, that's Those are the two things that I think happen here. Uh, but, yes, I am taking the Buffalo Bills to win this game outright. The Bills, flat out, they need this game more. And I kind of trust what their offense is putting out there more. And that's just kind of what is boiling down for, for me as far as that bet goes. Josh Allen's my number two quarterback this week. I have him over the 247 and a half passing yard mark. I have him over the one and a half passing touchdown mark, too. I think he gets two in this game. Patrick Mahomes, I have him under 240 and a half passing yards this week. I got him at QB 10, a barely playable QB one. Low end QB one. It's just not exciting. The ceiling's not there. He hasn't thrown for. By the way, have him under one and a half passing touchdowns. He hasn't thrown for two passing touchdowns in six weeks. Like Patrick Mahomes, not not two passing touchdowns in six weeks. Absolutely been disgusting right now. Moving forward, I don't know. I I guess I feel like we have to have some sort of conversation here about Patrick Mahomes. Chase, like if you have him right now, I mean, are you are you going to the playoffs? You made the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes. Congratulations, first of all. Uh, We have guys like Sam Howell, Brock Purdy. I'm trying to think, CJ Stroud. Uh, I'm trying to name some other guys like that who we didn't think would be here at this point in the beginning of the year. Are you going to play Patrick Holmes over any of those guys? Because there's a real scenario. You might have picked up one of those guys and you might
4: have Mahomes too. To be dead honest, Purdy and Stroud, I'm probably playing over him. I don't know that I'd play, say, Sam Howell or trust Sam Howell over him right now Um, just because when it gets to this, you know, when it gets down to it, I know that Patrick Mahomes has done it. I've seen a few things out of Sam Howell. I saw Sam Howell completely salvage a completely, you know, smack day last week by running it in twice himself. He's not always going to run it in twice himself. However, Brock Purdy's got himself in the MVP consideration you know conversation because he's playing so consistently and like you said he's good for two touchdowns through the air every single week and then some possibly cj stroud has just been a revelation this season and even without tank dell there like I just mentioned we just mentioned earlier he might be getting dalton schultz back but he still has nico collins still has noah brown to throw to and i i like the way that they've been running that offense i trust both of those guys to play probably over Patrick Mahomes if I if pressed to it depending on the matchups that I see and, and where we're at um yeah Mahomes has just not been he hasn't been the same this season and I don't necessarily think it's Mahomes that hasn't been the same his fantasy scoring hasn't been the same I'm blaming it on the guys that he's throwing to more so than blaming Patrick Mahomes himself that and his favorite you know the the play caller that he had is in Washington now calling plays for the aforementioned Sam hall so uh, it, it just it has not been the same at all this year.
1: Chase, let me hit you. Let me hit you with one that's uh, close to home. Are, are, are you going to play Mahomes over Jordan Love the rest of the stretch here? Because I think that's the conversation that's going to possibly be had here when you start to look at these things. When he's got Tampa Bay, Carolina, Minnesota, three decent matchups heading up in his playoffs, the Giants this week. Uh, I think these are conversations we're having.
4: And they and we should be having them because yeah, Love is a quarterback who's been on a roll lately. He has shown you over the last month that 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 he's got it and he can do it. And like you said, he's got some good matchups going forward. Mahomes we know has done it before, but he hasn't been on that kind of a roll. And I'm I'm I think that Love and his receiving core and his offense are growing together and getting and they have improved over the season. Mahomes and his receiving core. Outside of possibly Rasheed Rice, now that they're finally giving him wide receiver one type run, ish. Outside of that, he has not necessarily grown with this with this offense this season with anybody that he's throwing to or anybody that's that's around him. I yeah, I would play Love over him right now.
1: All right, man. that's that's crazy where we're and at. I, and I and
4: I I'm one of those people. I I bundled Mahomes and my auto in the Draft Night Out charity league, and they have not they have not given me what I was hoping for. When I when I draft them, I was hoping. Okay, I got to lock down every week. You know, tight end and quarterback. I can concentrate elsewhere, and I, it, it's cost me some games in terms of the quarterback uh, half of that equation. Sure, so,
1: yeah. absolutely. What about Isaiah Pacheco, Chris? Uh, I got him an RB nine now. We we do have, you know, we have an injury now up in the air. He didn't practice today due to the shoulder injury. He's getting checked out. We're not sure of how his availability is going to be. Uh, but let's put that off to the side for a second. I do him an RB9. ECR's got him at three, which I think is kind of ridiculously high because Jerry McKinnon looks like he might be on his way back. Got a limited practice last week. Is practicing again this week. Looks like he could be returning. And the key for me for Pacheco has been with McKinnon out, not only has he been involved in the passing game more than he normally would, but the more important thing is that he gets red zone looks. Now, he should be getting red zone looks anyway. I don't understand why they don't do it more often. But when McKinnon comes in, they do their shotgun. We throw the ball into the red zone. We don't run the ball into the red zone. It takes away from Pacheco. And he gets dumbed down to this guy who, like, we're hoping gets 12 to 15 carries. We're hoping he gets to 100 yards. But if he doesn't do that, he kind of falls into like a James Cook where, like, you're an RB2 with not much of an upside. So when you look at Pacheco, do you think anything changes here? Did he dominate enough? The he McKinnon at bay, or are we just are we looking at McKinnon coming back and Pacheco's value going down?
2: I don't know if I see the same analysis as you do. I mean, I haven't seen Jeremy McKinnon do anything this season. Um, so I think he hasn't I,
1: done anything, but he's lining up and taking away the opportunities from Pacheco. He has been doing that up until he got hurt.
2: I think since the Jets game, it's been, I Pacheco's backfield for the most part, people probably with the guy who they're gonna throw the ball to or they're gonna to continue to utilize a running attack. I don't see anything really changing, whether McKinnon's active or not. I think Pacheco is probably kind of continuing to have these; he's pretty much had to this rest most of the season.
1: Well, so just to lay this out here, McKinnon red zone opportunities, red zone snaps, I guess I should say, has out Pacheco every single week until his injury two weeks ago. Every single one. So that that's been the change. That's what I've seen the past couple of weeks. Where now, where he's out of the way, now they line up with Pacheco. And unlike what was happening with McKinnon, who was, who was playing, he was getting those snaps, not necessarily getting opportunities to do anything with it. They do give the ball to Pacheco because he is an effective runner, and he's been getting those touchdowns over the past couple of weeks as a result of it. So it's more of just McKinnon's presence, not saying McKinnon's doing anything, not saying this isn't Pacheco's backfield, but just his presence being out there whenever he's healthy, they go to that shotgun we're throwing it into the red zone formation rather than running in with our best player. That's just what I've been saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, it could, it could be the be the case. Like I said, for me, I test-wise, since the Jets game, I feel like this has been kind of the case that they're looking to involve Pacheco more in a passing attack. The red zone usage, you're right, has been kind of fluctuating. My concern, though, is that Chiefs' offense hasn't been scoring points over the last couple of weeks either. So that's more why I wouldn't have Isaac Pacheco in my top five myself because I just don't trust his offense to put up enough points up on the board for me to rank it that high.
1: I tend to agree. All right, so we got James Cook as an RB2 this week, as we always do. Stephon Diggs, a must-play. What about Gabe Davis, Adam? I'm looking at Gabe Davis. ECR's got him at 32. I stuck him at 39. You're talking about a guy who's had two games in the last four weeks where he had zero points, totally goose shoe. And, of course, you know, the game right before the bye week, he goes off and goes crazy. Like, we, we've always talked about Gabe Davis being a boomer bust guy, but he's, like, on a whole other level with the boomer bustness over the past month it's just too it's a little too extreme for me going against the Chiefs very good against perimeter wide receivers are you going to play him in your lineup this week
3: I'm not going to play him in my lineup I'm unless I'm extremely extremely desperate um look I mean the game that we all that put Gabe Davis effectively on the map I know he was a dynasty darling kind of before that because of the the uh, size speed thing but the game that put them on the map effectively was a Chiefs game, so I I, I will throw that out there, but th- that feels like a distant memory at this point, and uh, certainly these teams don't kind of play like the teams that did in that game uh, anymore. And, yeah, I, to your point, a, a couple duds recently had a big game, but that's kind of the Gabe Davis MO. I'm Again, a DFS shot, maybe. I hesitate to want to put him in any lineups. I think having him outside of the top thirty-six is the right call.
1: Okay, uh, Rasheed Rice makes my top twenty-four this week. I, I they're giving him targets. I wish they would still play him a little bit more. He's still below like the eighty percent route run threshold. You try to look for. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why we're even bothering with these other wide receivers at this point. Kadarius Tony should never be taking away from Rasheed Rice, but. I digress. Hopefully, though, the last couple of weeks of him actually getting a target share continues on as the Chiefs try to establish something of a weapon outside of the guy that we need to talk about, which is Travis Kelsey, who will not be my number one tight end this week. May not be my number one tight end again for the rest of the season. I had having said that, I have him as you know, top five tight end. I'm not saying you don't know, start Travis Kelsey, you don't get it with Twisted, but this number one dominance guy that we were told you had a draft in the first round. He was too much of a, you know, positional cheat code. He looks old. Now, I I don't know if he's old or not 100% healthy or maybe a mixture of both. But the fact of the matter is Travis Kelsey is a top six tight end, but not a top 12 wide receiver. That's kind of what you draft him to be when he took him in the first round. That's so, That's sort of the issue here. Uh, I don't know Chase do you think he's old or do you think he's not 100 percent
4: uh I think it might be more so the age I'm not I'm not gonna buy into any of the other outside narratives of him of being too wrapped up with Taylor Swift or anything else like that I mean you already know I, I don't care about that yeah no and I, and I knew you and I, I agree with you in, in all seriousness in terms of his performance this season I mean let's look he still leads the league points per game among tight ends he's still he still is performing. At a high tight end level but like you said he's not that positional cheat code that we all drafted him as or everybody that took him as and that we've become accustomed to uh you know his his numbers are just playing down from last year listen he's coming off a year where he had a career high in touchdowns this year he's right back to his career average he, he's, he's he's regressed right back to the mean there he's you know he's actually catching a, a ton of balls uh, in terms of, you know, percentage of his targets that, that are thrown to him. It's not like his performance has dropped off drastically, but he has regressed to the mean touchdown wise. And overall, the offense around him just isn't doing enough and doing anything. He's he's still having a top four season for him in his career, points per game wise, at at the tight end position you will still take that, but I agree with you. He's not the default, just set him and forget him at number one, like we've been doing with McCaffrey and Hill at their respective positions kind of all season. You have to actually look at things and and take into account who he's playing and and what's going on there.
1: Yeah, there's two things I feel very vindicated by that, that played out so far this season. One, I kept saying I would never take a tight end in the first round. The last time they tried to shove Travis Kelsey down a first round throat was two years ago when Mark Andrews wanted to be the number one tight end. And then again this year where he's falling off a cliff. Or I shouldn't say falling off a cliff, but definitely on a decline if nothing else. And the second thing was I don't take quarterbacks early. And everyone tried to tell me, like, nope, that's an outdated reference because last year, blah, 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 because Hurts and Allen and Mahomes were so freaking dominant, you had to take them early. I don't take quarterbacks early. You can find quarterbacks later. Vindicated with that this year as well. That has certainly been the case. So two things I felt pretty vindicated on as far as that is concerned. Chris, I want to talk about your favorite player, Don Kincaid. Dawson Knox, looking like he's going to be back this week. He practiced in a full capacity today. Now, with Kincaid, who has been a top five tight end since Dawson Knox's injury, has played well, has been the second or third pass catcher of this offense since the injury. Do they put that all aside, give Dawson Knox back his old role, or now is Dalton Kincaid just going to be the guy moving forward in your opinion?
2: I think that's a mixed bag in my book. I mean, what I'm looking at, you talked about some of the coaching things earlier about you know guys matching up with their coaching that they have. You have a new play caller for three games now. Uh, Dalton Kincaid had two games under that new play caller. What, I don't know what Dalton Kincaid finished last week. I know he had a pretty decent week the week before. Um, but I don't know what the, you know. What you're really competing for? It to me, it's more about what Gabe Davis's role is going to be in his offense than it does about what Dallas Knox's offense role is going to be in his offense.
1: Yeah, and that's that. That's a fair point too. Uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles, he finished 19th. Before that, it was 11-4 and 9-7 seven and 7. So la- the the week before the bye was the first time he had not finished as a tight end one since Knox had been injured.
3: To, to throw it out there, though, even the week before, uh, he had a good week from a performance perspective, but I, it, yeah. there does seem to be something with his snap percentage dropping at the coaching shift. Uh, and getting knocks back also might actually make that a problem. I, I don't know if by itself the percentage mattered, but if you also, you knock it. So we went down from, he had like a month, right, where he was in the 80s and 90s, dropped down to the high 60s, if You drop him down to the fifties, then there's a real problem for
1: for uh, Kincaid. No, sure, and, and, and I think that's, I think it's unfortunate for people who picked up Don Kincaid and thought they had found a finally a top ten tight end. Because I do think this is actually going to shift. The only silver lining, I guess, is that we're going to get a real clear picture this week before your playoffs start. So if you have to make a pivot decision. You might have the opportunity to be able to do so if you have to know one way or another. Uh, on that note, let's go to our next match. We have the Denver Broncos taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers favored in this game at minus two and a half, over under set at 43 and a half. Uh, it's another game I'm taking the under. It's just, it's very common thread. It's made me a lot of money this year and I'm sticking with it. The Chargers have only had three games go over this year. The Denver Broncos have only had five, two of those coming because of the other team putting up points, not because of them. So with both offices taking the conservative approach here, I am going to take the under at 43 and a half as far as this game is concerned, not really want to hear from fantasy standpoint, especially when you're hoping for bounce-back performances from one Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, everybody on offense from the Chargers standpoint, frankly. Uh, but I do still have Herbert as a QB1, just a low-end QB1. I do think his bad performance last week against the Patriots from a fantasy standpoint gets overblown a little bit as far as everybody being so down on the Chargers offense prior to that Herbert have finished as a top three quarterback two of the three weeks. Uh, it's He's been a lot better than people are trying to give him credit for from a fantasy standpoint for the most part. There's been a couple duds here and there, but the Patriots have also been the number one defense over the past month. So I don't think it's a shame to say you didn't have a great game against the number one defense as of late. Uh, Russell Wilson, I do have him outside my top 12 looking like the crappy version of Russell Wilson as this offense has gotten even more and more conservative. Speaking of players disappointing, Chase, I'm looking at Austin Eckler, and he's top five on the ECR. I'd be curious to see where you have him. I I still got him at 13. He's going to be in your lineups, but, again, managing probable expectations I think is important here. He hasn't been uh, more than a low-end RB3 since week 10. So he's been a flex play over the past few weeks. I don't know. I look at Austin Eckler. Do you think he's old? Do you think he's hurt? What do you think the problem is with him?
4: Yeah, he might be hitting that wall. Finally, I mean, we know he's had a lot of usage. We know that he, get, you know, he gets pounded. You know, he, every single season. And listen, he just he just does not look the same. Doesn't matter how how they're, whether they're throwing the ball to him in the flat, whether they're running him up the middle, he just does not look the same. I mean, we we've all seen it by now on on that on social media. The the joke about the play that he had against the Packers, coincidentally enough on the outside where he looked like he was a fullback running through molasses down the sideline. And yeah, run is a loose term there. He just did not look like what we expect to see from Austin Eckler. Um, yeah. I mean, I've got him in number. I've got him at running back 10. I agree. Like you said, you probably have to play him. Uh, he still, you know, he still does get the usage, but yeah, geez, he has, he isn't inspiring any confidence in anybody right now and, and hasn't for, for quite a while. And it's, It's unfortunate. It's sad. But this is also, I mean, kind of funny for a guy who was kind of in the uh, in the thick of the why don't why do why don't we pay running back uh, conversation to see him starting to, to really drop off this way. But I mean, he is 28. He's he's approaching that like, you know, that wall that we think about for for fantasy running backs. So nobody's immune to father time.
1: Yeah, uh, Javante, based on volume, is still an RB2 for me. Man, it would be really nice if they would actually just let this guy fall in the end zone for once in their lives. Uh, but, But volume still keeps him as an RB2. Uh, Keenan Allen was still playing him as a top three wide receiver. He's been very, very good despite whatever's going on with the Chargers offense. Even last week, from a full-point PPR standpoint, still got you double double-digit points, uh, just one of his few dud games of the year. Uh, He's been able to play through the injuries the past couple of weeks. He didn't have any setbacks that were reported. I know he didn't practice today, but I don't think we're going to see Keenan Allen practice on a Wednesday again for the rest of the year regardless of his health. So we'll just keep an eye on that, but I think he's going to be okay. Cortland Sutton, I think – He's a must-play wide receiver, too, because he finds the end zone. Uh, I know I talked about this before, but hold your nose, close your eyes, put him in your lineup, and just know you probably going to come out with a touchdown on the other side when it's all said and done right now, even though it's kind of ugly to look at. Uh, anything you guys want to chime in on this game? Nope. Oh, all right. Let's move on. We got the Sunday night matchup. A real over-under, guys, 52-and-a-half. That's like finding, you know, the leprechaun. That's like finding the gold at the end of the rainbow here this year. 52-and-a-half uh, over-under, it's, it's a miracle. And It's great for fantasy because you're going to want to play everybody. Dallas, by the way, Dallas, not Philadelphia, Dallas is favored in this game at minus three and a half with that 52-and-a-half over-under this week. I stress that because... I wonder when I look at Vegas, did the 49ers just completely change their opinion about the Eagles? Because the Eagles, while it was a closer game, still just beat the Dallas Cowboys two weeks ago. We still have not seen the Dallas Cowboys beat a team that's over 500 record. Uh, like, I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know if I would have Dallas favorite here in this one. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. So I do have the Eagles bouncing back and covering in this game as much as I hope I'm wrong as a 49ers fan. I hope, Dallas can actually win because one of the last games. I think the Eagles have a chance to lose. Um, but what I do like even more than that, I actually like the over. Dallas, seven games on the over this year. Philadelphia, eight, technically, because they did not have a 52.5 over under the last time they played. They actually went over the last time they played each other. And I expect that to happen again this week. Dak Prescott's my QB one. Jalen Hurts, you're still playing him as a QB three. Chris, did you see uh, David Carr's comments there that everybody's making a big deal about?
2: <laughs> and just to clarify for David Carr, though, he sure. wasn't calling that Mariota it should be better than Jalen Hurts. He was just trying to say until Jalen Hurts gets healthy, maybe they should consider this. Don't agree with it, but that was what his point was.
1: Yeah, no. Very important distinction, wrong either way. <laughs> like, I don't think it matters, but yeah, with you on that one. Definitely make sure you guys are actually watching the full quotes when we, when we talk about these things. When guys like, talk about these things sometimes, it's just a little uh, clickbait at times. We got James here. Is uh, Nico Collins still must-start this week against the Jets? Yes. yes. We talked about that earlier in the show. It doesn't matter. You have to go ahead and play Nico Collins in that offense right now. Uh, Tony Pollard comes in as my RB14, still going to have him outside my top running back, still a tough Eagles run defense, you're hoping he falls into the end zone, still don't like the lack of usage in the passing game for a Tony Pollard, uh, for him to have a high floor necessarily without scoring a touchdown. Adam, let's talk about DeAndre Swift, ECR still got him at 20, I'm not as confident. I got him at RB31. I think he's a flex play, not a must start at your RB2 spot, depending upon your options. He's been hovering at only 50% of the carries over the last three weeks. Gainwell is playing more. He's only had two top 20 finishes in the last six games. Outside of that, he's either been unusable or a flex play during that time. He took a big shot at the end of the game last week, although he wasn't listed on the injury report, so I'm expecting he's going to be available this week. Do you have more confidence than I do in DeAndre Swift?
3: Marginally, but not much. I I think the Eagles should, and I I think that they're generally a smart team. Team, so I'm going to fingers crossed that they take uh, you know last week as uh, the kind of shot to the chest and kind of you know refocus and realize you, you know you need to play your your better players. Uh, and Swift is that over Kenneth Gainwell at the very least. Um, but to your point. Last week, targets, routes run, uh carries, everything was kind of in Gainwell's favor. So, uh snaps. So, yeah, it's hard to really push Swift as anything other than a flex play kind of until that switches. But I would think it will at some point because, um, again, I, it's hard to watch both of them and, and not come away with the thought
1: that Swift is the better player. But,
3: Thus
1: is life, <laughs> but thus is Nick Serini I wish Nick Sarini had his face punched in on that game instead of the security guard. That would have been he, <laughs> you know, a guy who has a punchable face. That's that's definitely the guy for me, Nick Cerini. Um Yeah, uh, CD Lamb, number two receiver on the week. AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. These are all guys you're playing. Brandon Cooks cracks my top twenty-four this week against the Philadelphia Eagles, yes. who just let it live for the wide receivers across the board. Uh, Jake Ferguson continue to play him and Dallas Goddard. If he plays and it sounds like he's going to does crack by top 12 in his first game back too. I guess maybe we worry a little bit about Devonta Smith's ceiling with Dallas yes. Goddard back. Cause there's been a direct correlation between when Goddard's on the field to Devonta Smith's performance, but I don't see any way in which I'm not playing Devonta Smith this week against Dallas Cowboys. So it's kind of a moot point for This week, well, I mean, it's a, I it's a,
4: it's that same point you've made with a couple of players, or we've made it with a couple of players already. He's still a wide receiver too, but temper your expectations if Goddard is on the field.
1: Yeah, I, one of the biggest games. We don't have as much to talk about because you're just you're playing everybody. That's pretty much what you're playing. Literally everybody. Anybody else have any other notes they want to bring into this game before we move on?
4: I think the I think the line is indicative of uh, Dallas. Being, it being a home game for Dallas and the run they've been on at home, but. Like you just said, we just saw these two teams play, and Philadelphia took them out. So, how much is that going to be worth? I guess we're going to find out how uh, how important that Dallas home advantage is.
1: Yeah, never never bet with your heart, my because my right. heart wants Dallas to win, but always bet with <laughs> right? your head. So Come yeah, on. we'll be taking we'll be taking it on there. All right, let's go to our next. <laughs> <laughs> We have our, I can't even say our first of, we have our one of two Monday night games because they're scheduled at the same friggin' time. So there's not even one before the other. Again, the NFL and all of its infinite AI wisdom with their lovely scheduling that makes absolutely no sense. Not not only are these games scheduled at the same time, they're on the same friggin' network. Like if you're going to have one channel, you're going to have one game on ABC and one on ESPN. It's, it's the same collaboration, it's the same network. And you're going to have them scheduled the same time. Like, just talk about making no sense whatsoever. I hope you have two TVs like I do in my basement. Otherwise, you're only watching one game at a time. Uh, the Tennessee Titans taking on the Miami Dolphins in that one game. It is in Miami. Miami favored here at minus 13 and a half, and over under set at 47. Miami's been 8 and 4 against the spread. Love them at home, love them against subpar teams, which is what Tennessee is. So I actually will take the Dolphins, even with the big line, the cover at minus 13 and a half in this one. Tua Tagliavola, top five quarterback play for me against Tennessee. With that matchup, Raheem Mostert's still a must-play, found the end zone last week. Even with Devon A-Chain, who is also a must-play RB2 for me this week, too. Chris, do you make anything out of the fact that Devon A-Chain had 17 carries, or was it just that, hey, you know what, we can give him a little extra work. They had the game well in hand, wanted to see if he could handle it. Or do you think that they actually want Devon H. Hand to be the number one guy moving forward?
2: No, I think it was a former. I think what they were looking at is they were up big. They were able to kind of look to get somebody else maximized, get him some catches, get him kind of his legs back, see how he does, and let him kind of finish off the game. They've been using him pretty much the they have been using him the whole season until he got injured, is that kind of finisher for them.
0: Yeah,
1: no, I agree. But it's, it's weird for a guy who's five, like eight, and a buck sixty to be a finisher. But. I agree. That's kind of how they were trying to use them before. Keep doing it, though. I think they might wind up getting hurt again. We'll have to see. Uh, but for now, you're playing both these guys. Derrick Henry, what's what's ECR's problem, Adam? Uh, like, they got an RB22. It's December. Did they not realize the calendar changed? I mean, the, guy, the guy's been the top 10 finish last two weeks in a row in December. Like I know it's Miami. I know you're expecting negative game script. But I expect Derrick Henry to get in the end zone this week.
3: I, I look you're preaching to the choir here I have all season been like these big backs they're gonna I took one out of Chris's book these big backs are gonna heat up as we get later into the season we've seen AJ Dillon be incredibly efficient the last two weeks Derrick Henry's putting out 100 yard games getting in the end zone as long as Derrick Henry's you know healthy I know he did get kind of banged up towards the end there and as long as that's no big deal which it doesn't seem like it is then we're all aboard the time of year where Derrick Henry's the guy
1: yeah I, I don't,
3: don't it, it doesn't even seem it doesn't even seem game script dependent right because early in the season it was like no. okay they start getting down it's like whatever but it, i i realized the titans weren't out of it but like the passing game was you know not exactly working it was the running game keeping them in that game if they got away from the running game they would have been down by quite a bit that was why they were in that game so
1: yeah totally agree derrick henry's an rb1 don't overthink that part of it Tyree Kill, you know, obviously he's he's man he's he's I think he's gonna do it as long as he doesn't get injured. I think he's gonna do it. I think he's gonna get the two thousand yards. It's
3: absolutely. I think, I think he blows by it. Even if it's those he's injuries absolutely- he's been having all year, where it's like he gets hurt, it looks bad, and then he comes back like a quarter later and just freezes to one fifty anyways. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Just like, I just need three. I just need three passes. That's all I need. I just need three passes to give me a one fifty, and we'll just get there the rest of the way oh, too. Yep. As a result, I am a little bit lower than ECR and Jalen Waddle. Waddle's been solid, not great. ECR's got 14. When's the last time Waddle gave you a blowout game to make you think that he needs to be a high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver one? I mean, it's been weeks since he's even given you a 20-point performance and full-point PPR. Hill's blowing it up so much, Waddle can't eat. To me, he's a low-end wide receiver two. I don't chase. You agree? Disagree?
4: Um, yeah, I have him pretty much right at ECR. So, but I I agree with you. I, your point is well made. That yeah, I mean we haven't seen anything to like suggest that he's that he's you know due for anything or anything like that. I mean yeah, he had a big game against New England week eight. He you know had a nice game against New York a couple weeks ago, but that was based on the strength of eight catches, which he has not done this season again. He caught all eight of his targets for crying out loud. Um, yeah, I, he's definitely been disappointing. It's it's kind of uh, it's kind of a testament to, to how good he is. I guess that he that he's still giving you the numbers that he's given you even though he like, doesn't seem to have been as hot this season and they haven't actually given him a ton of usage every week. There, I mean there's weeks he's only seeing you know six, five, six targets rather than what we would think of typically as what he should be getting for more targets like 10 targets. Um, yeah, you yeah. just had the it's best matchup
1: line. you could possibly have and he, against Washington no. last week, and got you like five for fifty. Yeah, so like, yeah, <laughs> he got you barely
4: di- double digits, and he kind of yeah. I don't want
2: to kill you. I don't want to disagree with you, Dan, strongly at all. I just want to say in his favor, as Adam talked about earlier, we just saw Pierce have over hundred yards, oh. so maybe. The guy who hasn't done necessarily with the second receiver could do something. Yeah. It's just on the positive side to say
1: it's, it's a good match against Tennessee. Like, and you're, you're always going to play Jalen Waddle. I don't think there's a situation in which you're not. But I think we need to we need to reset what the expectations on a week in week out basis are for while Even when there's good matches on the table, he has not always capitalized because of Tyreek Hill and to Chase's point, his usage being a little bit disappointing. As far as I don't see any reason why him and Hill can't both get eight to ten targets every it's, single week
2: the reason it's not happening is simple though is because what we talked about for earlier what you're having from miami is you have tyreek hill get open or you go to the ball with the running back and if no one of those things are being taken away then why stop doing either one of those things and pretty much for the most season neither one has been completely taken away so jalen Waddle has become the afterthought in the sense of this offense which is sad but to your point he's not prioritized because they don't really have to Right now, it's like, look, Tyreek's not open, throw it to running back. We're handed it to running back, and we're up by yep. 20 in the second half. Here comes well, that's A Chain. It's <laughs> a
1: good synopsis. It's a good synopsis. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a high end wide receiver three for me, just based on volume. I don't love the matchup here. We're very, very clear. Since Jalen Ramsey has come back, perimeter receivers have not done well against the Miami Dolphins, especially in Miami. But volume alone does still make him a viable flex play for me. Any other notes for this game, guys? Nope. All right. (laughs) The Part 2 Monday Night Game, going on at the same exact time, I think this is the one on ESPN and the Miami games on ABC, if I, I think I have that correct in my head. Uh, the Packers taking on the New York Giants. We know which game Chase will be watching of the two Monday night games. I suppose. <laughs> if you got double TVs in that in that bar of yours. You must.
4: Uh, I've got one Maybe here, and I've got one kind of over in the living area uh, where the the kids generally play. But you know, hey, I, picture and picture is still a thing, right? Yeah, this is the
2: one you should chase. You just watch just Green Bay play hey. offense. And you watch dolphins play offense.
4: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Hope that one of them wins the coin toss, or like they (laughs) they alternate on the coin toss. Whoever, yeah, one of them gets the ball first. One of them kicks first, and then you might be able to flip back and forth red zone style. But you have to do it old school, like with your remote, or send your kid up to change the channel or whatever they did before remotes. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's the perfect one. Yeah, the picture-in-picture picture thing, I never liked the picture-in-picture. Picture. I mean, I guess if you have a big enough TV, it's okay. Right, right, right. I just, I'd just rather just have two separate televisions. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so the Packers taking on the New York Giants. Christian Watson, hamstring injury. I'd be surprised if we saw him this week. We still really have not gotten many details as far as the severity of what that hamstring injury is. I'm hoping – Brian Scott will have more details for us tomorrow when you tune in at 9.30 here on our YouTube channel live. Make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app so you stay up to date with the show when you're on the go. And we'll talk about that then. Hopefully, we'll have some more details for us. So, we don't know the timeline for him yet. Aaron Jones, me, we haven't gotten much of an update on him, although the Packers signed Kenyon Drake. And being that I didn't hear about an injury out of A.J. Dillon, that makes me think there was... Something wrong with Aaron Jones coming back, too. So we probably won't be seeing him for this week. Maybe not anytime soon as well. And then on the Giants side, Tyrod Taylor is going to be activated. And Tommy DeVito is still going to be the starting quarterback. Kill me now. (laughs) Darren Waller will not be activated. So we're not going to see Darren Waller this week. Look, Giant fans are – so I live in the New York, like Philadelphia-ish area. I kind of get both. And uh, I think Giant fans are just desperate for something to cling to because people actually, like, sound hopeful and happy with Tommy DeVito playing quarterback for them. And I'm just like, I I, I get that you won, like, two games. or I want to point out, you won the last game 10-7. to All
4: right. (laughs) There were no heroes in that game.
1: The same group of people that I had to have arguments with about why Daniel Jones was not worth $40 million based off a 15-touchdown season – and we see all that's working out. So it's it's the same group of people. Tommy DeVito fits the bill. I don't know. Just driving me crazy. Play the Packers. He's a defense. Jersey
3: guy. Yeah. He's a Jersey guy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, yeah I, see, out. I don't have that. I don't have that home thing. I'm Jersey, and I don't have that home thing in me. I, I've never cared. <laughs> Kenny Pickett's from our area. Don't care. Wish he wasn't in the league. Like, like, just like, like, just. Doesn't doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. Well, but
3: he had spent like 10 years at Pittsburgh, so that's different.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: he was so yeah.
4: long away from he, home. He went to middle school at Pitt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Green Bay is favoring this game at minus six and a half with an over-under of 37 and a half. The Packers have been seven and five against the spread. The Giants have been four and seven against the spread. I am going to take the Packers' cover here, especially the way they've been playing as of late at minus six and a half. And I expect that defense to hold the Giants to so a very low-scoring affair. Jordan Love, I have him as a top-10 quarterback play. Got him a QB7 this week. Saquon, I still think is a must-play. I have him as a top-11 running back, still getting all the volume. You can attack the backers on the ground to some degree. A.J. Dillon. Without Aaron Jones, I still have A.J. Dillon as a high-end RB3, low-end RB2. See, the problem with Dillon right now is this. He's getting all the volume on the ground, but Patrick Taylor's coming in taking away the volume through the air. And we still really haven't seen A.J. Dillon get the opportunity to score too often. So he's kind of left with not much of a ceiling. I don't know. Does anybody have more confidence than I do this week than having A.J. Dillon at 25? No? Okay. I don't don't have confidence much
2: much, in the Green Bay offense in general this week.
1: Oh, we'll do tell.
2: I don't think Jordan is gonna be a top seven quarterback. I think he's gonna struggle versus splitting defense. Giants defense has been kind of better or way better the last two weeks. Um, I think his offense is gonna struggle versus them.
1: Okay. Well, let's see. See, the thing with the, the Giants defense is that they're either gonna stop you or you're gonna go ballistic on that. Or they're gonna
4: open the floodgates. Yeah. yeah because they're either a wall or they're gonna the wall. Ballistic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's gonna completely depend on whether or not you you are able to beat the blitz or not. And that that's that is what it's gonna come down to. My thought process here, Chris, is that while I feel safe about Jordan Love being a QB one is that I expect the Green Bay defense to put them in a lot of golden opportunities throughout this game. More so See, than-
2: I, I think you know while we've had disagreements about Barkley and Zach Bar- Zach Moss or Barkley, I do think the Giants can run the ball in Green Bay. It'll I'm not impress the Green Bay's defense. I think there's going to be some movement by Giants offense. i not get too crazy on it. But I think it'll be enough to kind of keep the game close enough that the scroll will be lower. And I don't really trust the screenback offense. I know it's been doing better as of late. I just think they haven't faced a defense that actually is going to blitz them and is actually going to bring pressure. And then you're not going to stop us to run sc- line of scrimmage, which is where I think AJ Jones would be key. If they did commit to running the ball and did try to dominate the line of scrimmage, they could maybe do that. But I think that's where the problem is going to be. They let me throw it. I don't think Jordan does well. There's man coverage and I'm really interested to see what the opportunity to throw the ball on the field, why it kind of worked. We also saw a lot of ducks that got caught, but they were ducks. So I am curious to see how they're able to I think Tommy down. DeVito's he,
1: gonna throw at least two picks in this game. He, love well,
2: has
4: Lo, and love has performed. You'll never well. even argue
2: about Tommy DeVito doing well. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. The the point here is not one and then yeah, yeah he doesn't want <laughs> to on the other. Love has performed pretty well against the Blitz overall so this far so far this season, including well, last week against Kansas City as well, though. So where I'll give the Packers
3: him. a lot of credit is whether you agree or just like or believe in or don't believe in Jordan Love's last month the Packers offensive line and pass pro specifically has been good the whole year. So that one is like, if anyone's going to pick up the giant splits, it's probably going to be the Packers or one of the you know handful of better lines in pass pro in the league.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with, with all of that. And the Packers defense has been a top 10 defense the last uh, four weeks as what I was trying to look up and find here, uh, but here we go. So we're, We're going back and forth on that. I still say, Jordan Love, you got to start him, especially the streak that he's been on. He's been a top 10 quarterback the last three weeks in a row, too, on top of it. Uh, Jaden Reed without Christian Watson. He doesn't quite crack my top 24, but he is a top-end wide receiver three play for me this week at wide receiver 26. Romeo Dobb does just slip into my top 36 range as a low-end wide receiver three. And Tucker Craft, I think DFS, you can take a shot on him. He might give you a little bit of something. He's just not as good as Luke Musgrave. That's why I don't have him really kind of hovering in that streaming territory when it comes to redraft leagues. And I don't care about anything to do with the Giants outside of Saquon Barkley. You guys have any other notes in this game, maybe long-term? Go ahead, Jason.
4: Nope, no, just Bill. No, I'm. No, I
1: think. Yeah,
4: no, because there because there, there really isn't much to talk about on the Giants side. Even if even if you wanted to talk about a receiver, you never necessarily know from one week to the next who it's going to be. It probably should be Jalen Hyatt, but it not it's not necessarily going to be Jalen Hyatt. You
2: but, two bombs a game, and that's it. Right? Yeah. That's so I mean, so these two talents to play. We know that the, the Brian Dable <laughs> offense is all built around. Who's the most unathletic? Who's the least talented?
4: That <laughs> gonna play. Who are they least going to expect me to try and get the ball to? Let's <laughs> to shovel to it quiet. into there. He'll game.
1: give the ball to Saquon. Yeah, he'll and give the, the ball. ball
4: he yeah, will do. The passing on. That, that's where it that's
2: yeah, where it when, when, when there's nothing to, With the season meaning nothing, you're going to kill the only value of the guy that you have moving forward. Yes, is giving him the ball 30 times a game for no reason. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's because I they know they're not bringing them back next year. Cause it's going to be full reboot in New York. Oh All right. That's going to do it football. for today's show week 14 last week of the regular season. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow with Brian Scott for a half hour. We're going to talk about our injuries. It's a big injury week. And we're going to get you geared up for your playoffs too tomorrow. So make sure you tune in 9:30 on our YouTube channel, subscribe, hit the bell notification. Also, make sure you're dialing us in your favorite podcast app. I'll be back on Sunday night. Chase may or may not be with me. We'll see. But Sunday night, heroes and zeros, observational notes. Before we skedaddle out of here, probably should have said this in the beginning, but I figure I'd do it now at the end because this is the kind of stuff nobody cares because you tune in for fantasy football. But we are officially, the MD's fantasy football show that is, going to be coming to an end at the end of this month. Uh, we'll be we're gonna be leaving the belly up sports network uh been there for about five years really had a great time with those guys very proud of what we accomplished in the fantasy department but i'm gonna be looking me personally i'm gonna be looking to expand uh my reach i'm gonna be trying to work with some of the bigger websites out there in the fantasy industry and then us here as a group while the mds fantasy football show is going to be ending we are going to be beginning anew. The four of us here, Chris, Chase, Adam, myself, we're going to have a brand new show. The name of that show will be announced at a later time. And, you know, everything, there's a lot more that's going to go into that. But we are not going to go anywhere. We're still going to be here throughout the off season, like we have been in years past. But we're going to be changing some things about the show moving forward. Very exciting time. Very excited to have these guys become my partners, like this show, the MD show has been kind of my show and I've been having these guys come on over the past year. And it's been a lot of fun, but we're going to be partners now moving forward with the new show. So I'm very excited about all of that and, and the new things that are becoming. I just wanted to kind of put that out there. So at the end of the month, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, which has been around for about five years now, is going to be coming to an end just to start up something new with these three great guys that I'm surrounded by uh, here. So just want to put that out there. And that's all because of you guys right there. So, uh, but make sure you guys tune in tomorrow night. We'll see you then. Everybody, good luck this week.